Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend Friday. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Happy Friday. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. And Michelle, happy weekend eve. Well, the weekend's here, isn't it? We've got three hours until the weekend. Actually, we've got two hours and 58 minutes until the weekend, my friend. Now you are talking. This is, this is good. 2.58 for us, because it is 7.0, almost 7.02. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. <coughs> I, 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 my smoothie is catching up to me here. I got, I, so I had a strawberry smoothie and, and, you know, all the little seeds and strawberries. Yes. Sometimes they make me kind of choke up a little bit, so that's what happened. You get an emotional about strawberries? Yeah, yeah I am. Uh, we're going to talk to Jay Delsing at the bottom of this hour. Former Blue Oscar Suncovist, now of the Detroit Red Wings, will also join us and be part of the show at 8.15. And throughout the show, we want to hear from you with the mic drop feature brought to you by Ryan O'Shield. And Michelle and I talked about it at the beginning of the show yesterday. And we want to know what you think. If the Cardinals don't make it to the NLCS, who's to blame and who pays the big thing is who pays the price that's what who we want to know price. who pays the price if the cardinals don't make it to the nlcs this year and yesterday we each had our suggestions and upon further marination on this randy i'm not sure anybody will pay the price and i know that that's not the answer that cardinals fans want to hear yesterday you suggested mike maddox mm-hmm. i suggested michael gersh because we know it's not going to be john Mosellock. and if it's not john Mosellock, i can't see it being jeff albert because those two are tied together. John Mosellock very much implementing Jeff Albert's principles throughout the Mm -hmm. entire organization. But I just don't know if they're going to make any moves. And by that I mean if they get into the playoffs and if they win the division, that's really what their version of success is. Of course, they want to win the World Series. Ali Marmol said it's a disappointment if they don't. But they had the lockout at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. year. They had a lot of key injuries to players. I just think they have all these built-in asterisks that would lead them to not make any moves if they didn't didn't really want to or think it was necessary. I believe that that can be an excuse. But I do think that with the expectations, I don't think that when he was hired that uh, Ali Marmol just went into this blindly Maybe he did, because actually Mo did back off the statements. He tried to soften the, well, if we don't win the World Series, it'll be a disappointment. But 
you're at a point now where, and you've said it a lot, if not now, when? And if you're wasting MVP years by Goldschmidt, and if I would say that if you don't get to the World Series, that that's probably a waste, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the last year of Albert Pujols, and maybe, maybe not, the final year of Adam Wainwright. But if if I'm Bill DeWitt, and by the way, Bill DeWitt is 80. He might be thinking, hey, we're wasting my last years too. I just wonder if Bill DeWitt thinks, okay, we got to make a change because I am 80. <laughs> But if he's really thinking that, then don't you think he's instructing Roe to be very aggressive at the trade deadline? And I think that's a big part of this. I do think that if if they want to put their money where their mouth is, if they if they truly believe that it'll be a, a disappointment if they don't win the World Series, then they have to make a big move at the deadline. And they have the pieces to do it. They, they do. Now, Mark DeRosa, our friend from MLB Network, had a rather ridiculous trade proposal where he put every single prospect the Cardinals have in a deal for Juan Soto. Juan Soto is a great player. He's not that great. I saw that. That's kind of like, you know, negotiating on a house and they're like, how about 200000 And you're like, I'll give you two fifty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why would you give more than one super valuable prospect in that deal? Why would you give up a Jordan Walker and a Mason yeah. Wynn if you don't necessarily need to? And a Dylan Carlson. And a Dylan Carlson. That's yeah. right. Among others. Yeah, right. And here's another thing about the Cardinals. And I was thinking of this last night, Michelle. If Dylan Carlson is a guy that Mo says, you're going to have to pry him out of my cold, dead hands. Mm -hmm. And this is my logic class coming out. And he also has said that we've only had two other players comparable to what Jordan Walker has done. Albert Pujols and Oscar Tavares. Shouldn't, therefore, Jordan Walker be a cold, dead hands guy? 100%. If you have someone within your system that reminds you or is comparable to the greatest right-handed hitter we will ever see, Mm -hmm. then you don't let him go. He is, you'll have to pry him out of my cold, dead hands, and he's coming in the coffin with me, and I'm nailing it shut. Yeah, no doubt about it. So the Cardinals will get things started for the second half tonight in Cincinnati. Uh, I don't have it all fired up here, but you want to... Let's roll the dice. Let's roll the dice here. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, we, we can do this. We can do this. Randy's trying to find a very important sound component to the show here. Hold on. Do you want me to just do it? We're on to Cincinnati. There you go. <laughs> we, we'll have it before you know it. But here's the thing. Oh, you know what? I just had the wrong. There we go. We're on to Cincinnati. There, there we, go. we go. There, there we, go. we go. We are on to Cincinnati. Wayno will pitch for the Cardinals 6 o'clock on Bally Sports. Michelle, at the beginning of the season, you and I did our uh, Cardinal Mad Libs. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that again right now. We do invite people to use the mic drop feature to tell us in the 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock hours if the Cardinals don't make it to the NLCS, who pays the price. But I want to know... Who Michelle Smallman's, and we're going to have a list of superlatives here. Who is Michelle Smallman's Cardinals MVP for the second half and therefore the rest of the season? Randy, sometimes the easiest answer is also the correct answer. So my second half MVP for your St. Louis Cardinals is first baseman Paul Goldschmidt. I think that's a wonderful choice. I'm going to go a little bit more off the beaten path here because he had such a spectacular second half last year. Michelle, I'm going to go with Tyler O'Neill to come back healthy and have the same sort of second half for the Cardinals in 2022 that he had in 2021. Tyler O'Neill is my kind of from out of left field, literally, (laughs) uh, second half MVP. But how would he be the Cardinals MVP when Paul Goldschmidt is the National League MVP? I'm just looking at my second half. Okay, I love it. I love it. And so 
when I base it upon what he was able to accomplish last year in the second half, and he did have a great first half last year. I think we tend to forget that he was really good in the first half. But last year in the second half, Tyler O'Neill hits 296 with a 942 OPS. And in the second half, he had four. This is after the All-Star break. 19 homers, 43 RBS. I think he can do that again. I think so, too. And imagine, Randy, if Goldie continues at this clip and Tyler O'Neill becomes a second-half MVP. Then you got something. They're in a good spot. Who needs Juan Soto? Just Juan who? Exactly. We're talking about Bro Neal, baby. We're eating protein. All right. We already assume, and we did before the season started, that Adam Wainwright will be the Cardinals Cy Young Award winner. Cy Young winner other than Wayno. My other than Wayno Award, Randy, is going to uh, someone who we've heard of before. And uh, he's got a lot of great qualities. I love this guy. He's none, the best. None that I can really describe right now. Uh, but it's it's an exciting, exciting option. My other than Wayno award goes to one TBD. That's right, Mr. TBD. Because Ooh. I think the Cardinals are going to be aggressive at the deadline in acquiring starting pitching. And I think your second half starting pitching MVP is not going to be someone that's currently on the roster. I think it's TBD. I really like that. And I think that that's probably a likelihood, but more than. A, a possibility. I think that's, that's a likelihood. But I'm going to go with a guy that has been here and has shown flashes in the past, Michelle. I'm going to go with our guy, Dakota Hudson. Mm. Friendly sort. Dak. Big, tall drink of water. Dak Hudson. <laughs> uh, has had difficulty staying healthy. Obviously, he missed last year. Has had dip- difficulty finding the strike zone. Has not had the best walk rate in Major League Baseball. That being said, in the second half of his best season in 2019, and Dak is just getting healthy off of Tommy John, he was 9-3 and three with a 3.17 in two, 20, uh, 2019. And I believe that Dakota Hudson can replicate that sort of success. 9-3 and three in 82 and a third with a 3.17 earned run average. I picked Dakota Hudson as my Cardinal second half sighing award winner other than Wayno. Call him Agua because he is a tall drink of water. <laughs> we should go. call him Agua. All right. Uh, who's going to be the Twitter target for the second half? I hate this. This is the answer of mine that I hate more mm. than any other. But if we have learned anything about Cardinals fans is very few, few people are safe from criticism. Yep, and they aren't patient either. No. Even Albert, the Twitterverse. Even Albert Pujols, who is a Red Jacket guy is a Cooperstown guy. Will catch the ire of Cardinals fans from time to time, which is why I think the second half Twitter target, and again, I hate to say this, is going to be Yadier Molina. I think he is going to come back. We don't know what type of condition that he's going to be in. Hopefully he's in shape and ready to go. But this is the last year and last second half of Yachty's career as he's coming off an injury, he might not be what we expect him to be right away. And that is not going to be good enough for Cardinals fans when every single game matters in the second half. Every single game is going to matter Mm -hmm. in the second half. And I hope that I'm wrong, but I can just see all of those people on Twitter that are too ashamed of themselves to have their real name on it, but they have a Cardinals logo as their avatar ripping into number four. Steve1346271. No, it's like Cards Freak 779 8215. 
And it's really Joe Bag of Donuts yeah. from Fenton. You know what I mean? But they won't say their name because all they want to do is get on there and rip other people. Okay. That's a good call. Now, Michelle, let's point out here that John Mozeliak has already been retired and is in the Twitterverse Target Hall of Fame. Correct. So he is not, he's not eligible not for eligible this award. Not eligible for this, right? That'd be like... So is Jeff Albert. Yeah, they are. So I am going to glom on to the Twitter versus impatience and go with Ali Marmol Ooh. as the Twitter target for the second half of the season. I He's already getting a little, a, a little heat. People don't like his moves. You know, they, they don't like the way the team is playing. And I think that will be exacerbated throughout the second half of the season. I could see it. No yeah, doubt. Twitter, Twitter hate has do has a tendency to, to build up. All right. The, my bad award. We were critical of you, but you were better than we gave you credit for being. Well, I'm going to use my logic class. What is it? If, then, yes. therefore. Mm-hmm. If my Cy Young Award, other than Wayno, is going to one TBD, therefore, my My Bad Award needs to go to John Mozeliak. If Mo goes out at the deadline and is aggressive and acquires starting pitching that ends up being so impactful that that person wins the other than Wayno Award, then I need to say my bad to Mo because... I am very vocal about saying, if not now, when? I'm looking at the at the way this team is constructed. I'm looking at an obvious need, and I'm looking at your preconceived expectations of what this club should be this year. And I'm also saying, while I think you should be aggressive, I will be surprised if you are, because that's not really in your DNA. And I'll be the first to say, my bad, Mo, if you actually go out and get TBD. It's a great call. I'm going to use logic here, too, Michelle. Because of my second-half MVP, and we've already seen Tommy Edmond ascend. We've already seen Dylan Carlson ascend. We've already seen what Wayne or what uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado are capable of. If my second-half MVP does what I expect he'll do, Tyler O'Neill, then we have to give credit to Jeff Albert. The My Bad Award from Randy Carricker for the second half goes to Jeff Albert, the Cardinals hitting instructor. Everyone listening hates us. <laughs> yep, they do. <laughs> because we're saying that we're going to give flowers to Jeff Albert and Jamal Zalak. If the offense is good, and even right now, only five teams in Major League Baseball have more runs scored than the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Isn't the object of hitting to score runs? I would think yes. Yeah, so you've got the Yankees, Dodgers, Mets, Giants, one other team that have more runs scored than the Cardinals. That's pretty darn good right there. Yes, it is. And that's before a red-hot second half when Tyler O'Neill takes off. Buckle up. It's going to be a fun second half. It is. All right, the Devil Magic Award for Michelle Smallman. I think at the beginning of the year, this was my selection, and I'm going to be steady as they come with this one. You cannot not have Devil Magic when your name is Lars Newbar. Mm-hmm. Good call. Three-run bomb right before the break. I could absolutely see Lars Newbar getting a little time down the stretch and him being a Devil Magic guy. That's a really good call. Now, what I have is the Cardinals playing in the first round of the playoffs and the national TV audience. This is what Devil Magic is. The national TV audience says, who are these guys? So the Cardinals are playing in the first round of the playoffs and they're playing against the Padres. And it's a seven o'clock game on ESPN. And Nolan Gorman hits a home run in the eighth inning to put the Cardinals ahead four to three. It's a 3-3 game, and he hits a solo homer with one out in the eighth inning. And people around the country go, come 
on. Where do they keep getting these guys? Every year they're in the playoffs, and every year they got a guy. I've never heard of this Nolan Gorman. Who is this? <laughs> Nolan Gorman is the Cardinals' devil magic guy for 2022. And as Cardinal fans, we're saying he's not devil magic to us. You should have seen him coming. Highly been, touted prospect. Yep, should have been paying attention. Yeah, the BFIB pays attention yep. to other teams' prospects. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals' second half Mad Libs here on 101 ESPN. Next up with Michelle, Randy, and Matthew, we've got Peak and Pitt. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We want to hear from you on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit? Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. We do welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Peak or Pit here on 101 ESPN. What was your peak of the week and what was your pit of the week? Michelle, why don't you start? So my peak, Randy, isn't one specific thing, but for those who aren't aware... The week of the baseball all-star break week is typically the worst week in sports talk radio, especially if you're in St. Louis because there's no NFL. You can't look forward to NFL training camp. Hockey is usually dead. There's not much to talk about and there's no baseball. So usually we have to come up with these themes and it's a really difficult content week. My peak has been that this has been one of the most fun weeks of shows that I can remember in a long time. We had Albert Pujols in the home run derby, a really fun all-star game. Albert Pujols winning the humanitarian award at the We're talking about Juan Soto coming to the Cardinals. We're talking about Matthew Kachuk coming to the Blues. The Battlehawks may be returning with an announcement on Sunday. It's been a really, really fun week of sports speculation and sports talk radio. Yeah, it's been outstanding. And yeah, you're right. Normally, especially Wednesday after the All-Star game is the, the most devoid of content day of the entire year. So I'm, I'm with you. That's been great. Yeah, it's been really fun. And normally we don't get to speculate, especially as Cardinals mm-hmm. fans, about a guy like Juan Soto. And even if it doesn't happen or if it's the slimmest of chances, how fun has it been to dream about Juan Soto wearing the birds on the bat? Especially when nationally pretty much every pundit thinks the Cardinals are number one or two in terms of the chances of getting Juan Soto. Yes, absolutely. And when Albert Pujols is his conciliary in mm-hmm. this endeavor, that certainly helps their chances yeah. too. And then my pit is that I'm so sick of reading and hearing about college conference realignment. Give me college football. I'm so ready for it to be September and to be talking about tailgating and actual college football. I'm so sick of the business side of college football. That's my pit this week. That's a, that's a good pit. Michelle, my peak is actually one of yours for ESPN and the nation to recognize what Albert Pujols has done <clears throat> during the course of his career off the field with the Pujols Family Foundation, all the things that he's done, all the efforts that he and his family have made in the Dominican Republic and here in St. Louis. We've known it for a long time with everything that he's done, and we've seen the prom, and we've seen the the things that he's done with games, and I have the good fortune of working with his basketball game every year, and for the nation now to get a glimpse into the kind of guy that Albert Pujols is, 
on the ESPYs was pretty cool. And I'm glad that ESPN, yeah. which isn't the most baseball-centric organization, recognized what a baseball player does. Yeah, and not only what a great player he is, but what a great person he is, as you mentioned, because we see it in St. Louis all the time, how much Albert pours into the community. But I think probably the average baseball fan in Seattle only thinks about Albert Pujols and the resume. They don't know everything that he does and how much he really devotes of his time, his energy, and his money into making the lives of other people better. And my pit is that there are going to be other teams involved in these Matthew Kachuk sweepstakes. Get out of here, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of them. I I do hope that the Blues get him, but I just don't see right now, unless Doug Armstrong, and you've mentioned he's a wizard, but I don't know how he's able to get the $7.5 million of Vladimir Tarasenko off the books. If you could trade Tarasenko and Cairo straight up, you could do it and probably give up a number one for Matthew Kachuk, and I, I would do that. That's two really, I mean, that's your top two goal scorers, right? Or two of your top three goal scorers from last year. So that is a pretty major trade on the part of the Blues. But as has been mentioned, Matthew Kachuk is a unicorn. And I give up a lot to get Matthew Kachuk. This isn't just any wizard. This is Doug Dumbledore Armstrong, okay? He is the head wizard. He's the number one wizard in all of hockey, Randy. And if DDA can do anything, it's bring our native son home. Bring him home. Let's get this trending. Hashtag bring him home. And we know he wants to be here. We know that the Blues want him to be here. It's just about making the pieces of the puzzle work. And somehow Army can always put the puzzle together. He's been unbelievable. And let's just hope that he can make it happen again here with Matthew Kachuk. All right. Uh, speaking of Matthew, is Matthew Rocky, what do you got going? What, what's your um, peak so far? My peak is that my the, 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 two, the two hosts that I produced the show for got me a birthday present because you guys are the absolute coolest. Thank you guys so much. Happy uh, birthday. Yeah, Happy birthday. Yeah, I appreciate that. Just like people remember your birthdays. And it's tomorrow. Cool I, yeah, it's, it's tomorrow. Yeah. And it's, I never, I, I'm not a big person who makes a big deal of it, but when other people remember it, it's always really cool. And so I pre- that, that's my peak. That, that, I, I'm, I'm on cloud nine the rest of the show after that one. I don't really got a pit after that. Okay. And I can't. It's it's an all, like Michelle said. It was an all star week where we had stuff to talk about the entire week. I, I got no. I got no piss yeah. this week. It's my birthday tomorrow. Yeah. I'm 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 seeing John Mulaney tonight, who's one of oh, my favorite awesome. comedians He's ever. Oh, awesome. I'm on cloud nine. They're in a, they're in a pit in the world for me right now. Good, good week good for to hear. Oh, and it's a good week for us content wise. Even better for a producer. What do you yes. have actual stuff was, to, yeah. to was, build the show? Yeah, exactly. Around. And by the way, some great guests too. I mean, how great was Rocky Sickman yesterday? God, that was in the nine o'clock hour. I have to tell you. We've gotten response from a lot of compelling interviews we've mm-hmm. done. Bob Costas, Mark McGuire always gets a great response. I don't think I've heard from more people about an interview we've done than I did yesterday because that transcends anything we'll ever talk about. Right. That is something that all of us, as not only Americans, but human beings can connect with and re- it resonates with us. And it's very rare. We, we talk about great athletes all the time. I've never met a real Mar- American hero in person. And that was really special. And Michelle and, and Matthew, you guys both, you see how polarized, how fractured the country is. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to introduce people your age to it because you weren't even born when, when that was going on. <sighs> and I know you did, I could tell you did a ton of research on it yesterday, reading about the, the hostage crisis, the Iranian hostage crisis. But our country was so unified then. And it's a, it took something like that to unify the country. And then the USA hockey team winning in Lake Placid against the Russians. That was within the, the midst of the, the hostage crisis. But I, I, I hope people can recognize that it shouldn't take something like that to unify the country. But the country is capable of being unified. Well, it also, and I told you this after the show, it really stuck with me that Rocky was talking about how when he was growing up, the main principles that his parents taught him were... 
love of family, love of faith, and love of country. Mm-hmm. And throughout his lifetime, he's watched the erosion of that last principle. Yeah. How many parents today are teaching their kids about their love of country? It just doesn't... We're all... Americans and some of us are still proud to be Americans, but it is not the same. It is not yep. something that that you would put in the same conversation as faith and family. Yep. All right, let's get to some text six five seven eight zero. Matthew, what do you got? Peak. My divorce was finalized. Pit. Okay. okay. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. Did you not hear me? I said my divorce was finalized. You could hit me with a shovel, and I'd still be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know when they when you hear that rare person say, "Oh, it was the easiest divorce in history. Super amicable. We had a prenup. Everybody knew it was done. Bing, bang, boom, world." That is so rare. Most divorces are agonizing, and it's so it's got to be so difficult when you really love someone enough to marry them and build a life together with them to have to tear it all down. I can't even imagine emotionally and financially what that's like. So, yeah, no pits for our buddy here either. No. Peak, peak, Albert going Buster Douglas on Kyle Schwarber. Hit five straight days of no Cardinal baseball. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer, but they're back tonight. That's right. Versus the Reds. The Reds. Yeah, that felt like nothing. Come on, because mainly, peak, all the Soto and Kachuk talk. Pit, I keep checking media over and over again to find out if it's happened yet. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Keep refreshing that Twitter. Oh, and now we're refreshing it. It's got that weird sound that's popping up. It kind of sounds yeah, like... it's weird, isn't it? A, a, I think Learn, our friend from Casey, described it as the sound a little raccoon would make. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was me. I'm glad that, it's, <laughs> I, I'm glad that that's a Twitter thing. I guess yeah. if, I, if I had to make a pit, it would be the fact that I had movie tickets on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and that was when the Kachuk stuff really started heating up again. Mm-hmm. And I finally felt that, that feeling of nev- not being able to get comfortable in the movie because I was like, I need to keep checking my phone like under the seat so I don't bother <laughs> the people behind me. But I can't not because if my phone vibrates and I miss a tweet that Chuck got traded, I'm 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 gonna have a bad day. Yeah. Pro, so, pro producer tip. So annoying. Just put on your notifications. Yeah, I it, it, I was I was just, every time my phone vibrated I was like, don't get caught, don't tick off the people behind me because you have your phone out. <laughs> um, peak getting all excited about the Soto or. Kachuk trade that likely won't happen. Pitt will be the end of the month when this finally plays out. I kind of think there's a chance that I don't think the Soto thing is going to happen either. Although the Cardinals did initiate contact with them, according to John Morosi, so I would there's a, there's a slim possibility. I don't know how he'll do it. I think there's a better chance of the Kachuk thing happening for the Blues than the Soto thing happening for the Cardinals. I agree. I think the Kachuk thing, whether it's this year or next year, in my yeah. mind, is a foregone conclusion. He's a future blue. Yeah, he yeah. future blue Matthew Kachuk. Put it in Sharpie. Juan Soto, I think, slim to none. Yeah, because they still, well, if Corbin's in the mix, more likely. But yeah. they need pitching. They right. need the Good need. pitching. You don't need to keep Patrick Corbin at this stage. The need is pitching. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, you got one more fun yeah. one? Okay. Peak, I, uh, I took third in a barbecue competition. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Our, our uh, station address is on the website. Feel mm-hmm. free to drop by. Well, here's the thing. Pit, the prize is a grill that I already have. Oh, oh sell oh. it. Sell it. I mean, yeah. that, I see I see that as a good thing. Yeah. Turn that over, man. Come no on. Doubt about it. Randy, you have several grills, right? I do. Yeah. Now, I'm not a griller, but tell me, is grilling like an like a double oven situation? Could you utilize two of the same grills at the same time? Yes, you could. Okay. If you have, for example, you could use two Traegers, one to smoke meat and one to put carrot cake on. Oh, absolutely. Bam. There we go. And I'm I'm actually going to be in the market. I think I'm going to get a different Traeger, just a little bit bigger one. Uh, but yeah, I, I've got so I've got a Traeger and that I I've got a Weber Genesis gas grill too that I can put wood chips on. So yeah, I think it's it's really great to have two. Our friend Mike Johnson from Sugar Fire and High Point, 
he has seven. <laughs> At his house? Yeah. Yeah, well, when, when you're elite like yeah. that, you need to make sure you have all of the no tools doubt. at your disposal. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And we're on to Cincinnati. Uh, coming up next, Jay Delsing joins us. We'll talk some golf here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Jay Delsing joins us. You'll hear Golf with Jay Delsing Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. But right now, he joins Character and Smallman. Good morning, Jay. It was fun to have you in studio earlier in the week. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, you got a double dose of Delsing in one week. That's a lot to handle. <laughs> we love it. Hey, I want to start with this because I'm kind of bummed out that the majors are over. I, I get why the PGA Championship has been moved to May, but I don't like the fact that all the majors are over by the middle of July. I'm with you. I, I, I like the old way better, Randy. They, the real reason is they just don't want to try to go up against football uh, even the college football, if they don't have to, so they—that's what they—that's that's the thought process behind it. But it—it's difficult. What I do like, though, is that they did move the players back into March, and so you get—you know—you do get a, a really significant event in March, April, May, June, and then July. But when you know July seems like we're still missing one, we still should have one more, uh, one more, one more thing to watch and and, get, and to get into. Jay, we spoke about this with you a little bit when you were in studio earlier this week, but it seems like things are picking up on the Charles Barkley live front about him having a major front-facing role when it comes to their broadcast. Now, we know Charles said he would kill a family member to get some of that guaranteed live money, so the fact that he's meeting with them is not a surprise. But what sort of role do you think that he would be good with, good with when, uh, when, they come, when it comes to the broadcast? What do you think that he would shine at the most? Well, you know, guys, he's one of my favorite guys to listen to, but he doesn't know diddly about golf. Right. I mean, he doesn't know anything about golf. He brings uh, a real interesting perspective. And I, I don't know if um, and uh, if if it's Greg and Liv, you know, using races as something to try to, um, uh, you know, soften some of the views of, of some of their, their you know, the, the pushback that they're getting. I, I really don't know. He's I, I, and I don't care at all about that. I'm just trying to think if I'm going to hire because I, I think that the David Faraday uh, announcement is supposed to come sometime today. Um, but I, I just don't know what what you're going to do with it because it's streaming, and I, I it it just doesn't seem you know there are they going to have a um, a studio you know where where maybe Faraday and Charles Barkley are in a studio somewhere and they keep their team, their current team together that, you know, does the actual call and you got one guy on the ground and, you know, another analyst. I don't know, but could you imagine David Ferdy and Charles Barkley? They could get, you know, go down bunny trails and forget <laughs> that golf's even going on. Yeah, right. Hey, Jay, one thing about the Live Tour that is a consistent refrain from the players that have gone over there is that they're growing the game of golf. And I know that you've thought about this, and I would like to ask one of the guys, if I was ever at one of the press conferences, how are you growing the game of golf? How how do you think that the Live Tour and these guys is growing the game of golf? Man, that's, you know, Randy, and guys, that's one of the things that I'm that is most near and dear to my heart is to really try to get 
people introduced to this game because it's done so much for me, my family, the girls, everything. Um, gosh, I, I mean, if, if I were on the live team, I would say, look, we're trying to do something in a country that needs a lot of help and every little bit helps. And so we're trying to start, you know, by what there's some, uh, we're doing some women's golf. We're doing, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, live golf in London, live golf in Portland. I, I don't. I just don't see it. I, I don't. I don't see what they can hang their hat on with that. And um, you know, when when it comes to the competition part, guys, I still get the whole. I just don't get that. I mean, you don't have to practice anymore if you don't want to. Pat Perez shot eighty last last time at Pumpkin Ridge and still made over a million dollars that week. It's uh, it's just an entirely different concept. And and in terms of how they're going to get additional golf butts in the seat, so to speak. I don't get that. I don't see it yet. I mean, maybe I'm missing something. I, I, I mean, maybe the fact, guys, just the fact that we are talking about it so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one thing that we are talking more golf than uh, I've ever talked about uh, in, my, in my lifetime, so maybe it's just that. Jay, is there one person that's still out there that hasn't joined Live that if they did, you'd say, wow, this is giving this some real credibility? Well, the rumors that I hear from the inside, Michelle, are uh, Hideki Matsuyama. And um, he's not a huge name over here, even though he is a top you know, 15 guy in the world. I'm not sure where his world ranking is now. But on a global basis, when Hideki won the, the Masters, it was probably the biggest thing that could happen worldwide in, in our game because the, um, the eastern part of the world is so golf crazy. The Japanese folks are just nuts over the game and, and, and the ripple effect that that would have in that entire region. If he went, and, and I heard that he is really considering because he, he, got the, he would have the biggest offer on the table so far um, because that's, wow. how, that's how significant him coming from his part of the world would be. He just doesn't want to lose the opportunity to play in the majors. And so um, that would be a big, that would be a, a, a really big deal. I don't see, uh, I've heard Ricky Fowler's name being mentioned around a lot, but Ricky's game has slid down, you know, the list so far that he's still really uh, known and respected, but he's not playing very well. And um, that's, I, I mean, if they were to pull someone like Jordan Spieth or Colin Morikawa or JT, John Rahm, that would be, that would be massive. I think that would really be it almost pull the PGA tour into the table and have them almost be forced to have some some sort of conversations. Hey Jay, one more thing. It's interesting. I could offer you a glass of water and the live tour people could offer you five million dollars and they would both have the same effect on our economic well-being me giving you a glass of water is akin to the Saudis giving you five million dollars. That's how much money they have. Oh, it's a, I, I, I think when we were in studio, Matthew said that they're making $43 billion a day in their oil reserves and things like that. I mean, it's staggering. It's just, I, I, my, my thing is, guys, is that are, are they going to be in this for the long haul? Are they going to honor these contracts? And what are the length of the contracts? So Dustin Johnson signs up for, what, three or four years? And are they gonna, going to lose interest next year? I mean, maybe there's some, some something that happens and they're going to get so much pushback that they're thinking, 
man, this is having the, the reverse effect. We're not enhancing our image. We're hurting it. Yeah, that, so I just don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's uh, like I said, I mean, the only positive thing is we are talking a lot of golf. Yeah, we are. That, that's a great point about whether or not they have the patience to deal with it. Golf with Jay Delson coming up Sunday at 9 here on 101 ESPN. And what do we have on the show this week? Guys, I was wrong last week. We did a British Open preview. And uh, this week we have Ron Doherty from uh, Doherty Business Solutions. Great. He's really an incredible guy. I mean, what he does for the community and things like that, I, when I got – Diving into Ron and his, uh, oh my gosh, he, he, is a, he is a community rock star. Well, we're looking forward to that. Always great to have you with us on Friday mornings. Have a great day and a great weekend, and stay hydrated, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> you too, guys. Thanks for having me. See you later. The great Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, Matthew, coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. Take it or leave it is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew with you. The text line, if you would like to participate, 65780. And Michelle, former New England Patriots cornerback Asante Samuel is not a big fan of Bill Belichick's Patriot way. Mm. He says, some of the players were brainwashed with that Patriot way. I'm not going for none of that. I don't know what no Patriot way is. He went on to say, look... The way Bill coaches is the Patriot way. And for 20 years, they had Tom Brady to embody that philosophy perfectly. The way that Bill coaches his team to be putting the team first, not selfish, doing what's best for the team, putting the team's goals in front of your own personal goals, that was Tom Brady. He was able to do that for 20 years. Take it or leave it. Tom Brady is the Patriot way. I'll take it. I will too. Belichick may have created it, but Tom Brady enforced it. And... If your quarterback and best player does it, then everybody kind of follows in line behind that guy. It's not because of a coach. It's because of a player, especially a great player, that is doing that himself. Well, and think about how many guys started doing the TB12 method and really Mm -hmm. focusing on their health and taking good care of their bodies after Tom Brady did that. That also helps enforce the Patriot way when you have guys who are really dedicated to it every single day when it comes to their health and wellness. Yeah, let's see if there's still much of a Patriot way with Mac Jones this year and next. I don't know, Randy. He got a diet and a training regimen. They're saying he looks better than ever. I'm glad he looks great. Yeah, I don't know if it'll translate on the field, but... The uh, St. Louis Rams once had a quarterback by the name of Kyle Bowler, a backup remember, quarterback, yeah. who could throw the ball through the goalposts from his knees from the 50-yard line. Awesome. Yeah, he looked great. He had, and he had a beautiful girlfriend, but no, he couldn't play. What does the girlfriend have to do with it? I think she might have been a Miss America or something. Oh. And people thought that it was the old dunk philosophy Ask that Brian he Billick. had to have a lot of confidence. Oh, because he was with a beautiful woman. Yep. He he has a lot of confidence. Yeah. I get how that translates. Yeah. Got it. Hmm. Yeah. But it didn't. It really did not. No. Hmm. So it's, give me the the pudgy quarterback that wins. Well, Mac Jones has that famous photo of last year. 
of him in the locker room. Yeah. Looking a little soft. Yeah. So now he's still athletic and in shape, but a little Uh, soft. That's one of the problems with football, though, is you can't really have a pudgy, you can't have a Johnny Unitas or a Billy Kilmer anymore. I think one of the most amazing things about sports is that hockey players can go out and slam a million beers and generally and outside of their uniform and their pads look like a normal dude and then they go out there and they can skate and hit and do all of the most unbelievable athletic athletic things that you you would never think they'd be able to do yeah you get an xxl sweater and everything's great you can for example after games go to paul mano's and get carry out and take it home and chow down and then come back the next day and score a couple goals i've still never been there we got to get you there i know everyone looks at me with such disappointment when i say that Okay, you know what? We're going to, uh, we'll celebrate our number two. And by the way, thank you to all of you tuning in because we are the number two radio show in the mornings here in St. Louis. Yes, thank We're happy you. happy about that. So, and we couldn't do it without you. And then we also want App Madness. So yes, we, we did. We had more thank you. App people uh, at our station than any of the other four stations we have. So uh, we'll do Paul Mano's On Me at a uh, date soon to be agreed upon. Matt, clip that audio. We need to do that, though, for real. And yeah. celebrate all of our Leo birthdays. Yeah, exactly. Right. A lot of things to celebrate yeah. here at Carriker yeah. and Smallman. Okay, guys. Well, speaking of Tom Brady and his teammates and their bodies, we have not talked about Leonard Fournette on this show. <laughs> I love Leonard Fournette. So Leonard Fournette, he Lenny. didn't, Lenny, he didn't attend Tampa Bay's OTAs. He showed up for mandatory minicamp. And let's just say he wasn't in the best shape of his life. So I looked it up. His fighting weight is normally 228. He's Leonard Fournette. Six feet tall, 228 pounds. He rolled into OTAs about 260 LBs, guys. 260 pounds, about 30 pounds heavier than his normal playing weight. Take it or leave it. This is playoff, Lenny, not preseason, Lenny. Exactly. I'm let's, taking that. Let's 100%. All relax. This is playoff, yeah. Lenny, not preseason, Lenny. He'll be just fine. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he'll be just fine. I don't, I don't worry about him at all. I wonder what Tom Brady's reaction was when Leonard Fournette rolls in 260 and Tom Brady's like, I haven't eaten a strawberry or a tomato in 23 years. And I was retired for 40 days. Right. Yeah, I would say that that's, he's probably not too happy with Lenny, but they have other running backs and Lenny will be in shape. I don't I don't. Let me go back to uh, a story that Coach Venturi told one time. He had a defensive tackle for the Saints. Mm -hmm. I think it was Grady Jackson. His first name was Grady. But anyway, he was was a rather large individual. That's absolutely Grady Jackson. Oh, yeah. yeah. He had weight problems his entire career. So he had a weigh-in every week, and he was supposed to be below 340, and he was every week. And they go on their bye, and Hazlitt allows them to go from Monday to the following Wednesday without having to come to the the practice facility. Okay. And Coach Venturi, before Grady Jackson leaves, says to Grady Jackson, hey, just keep your weight below 340. Keep your weight below 340 in 10 days. So they they play Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the following Wednesday when they come back. Grady Jackson weighs in. He left at 340, comes back at 380. No, stop. Yeah. Yeah. He gained 40 pounds? 40 pounds in 10 days. No. Yep. Did he just lock himself in a room and do the Austin Powers guy? I don't know if I can say his name on radio, but just eat fried chicken all day long? Apparently, he... So, Coach said... I I don't know know what the last... Coach said, what did you do? He said, Coach, I was out at restaurants the whole time. Sorry. But in New Orleans. Oh. You knew it was the same way. Remember Pat Washington? 
Yeah. His his weight would fluctuate Ted, between Ted Washington. Ted, Ted Washington. His weight would fluctuate between like 380 and 340 yeah. throughout those the season. Those will get you. Oh, Cafe right. Dumont, yeah. worth yeah. every calorie. Yeah. Ted Washington sat on Greg Hill's leg and ended his career. Yep. Yikes. 1998, not great. That, I mean, that was back in the day when you ran a 3-4 and you were just like, find me some 385-pounder and we'll just stick him at nose tackle and work around it. Yeah. So what do we have on the text line? 65780. Take it or leave it. Watching slash listening to Charles Barkley unfiltered while sipping on a cocktail or three and ripping on golfers kind of piques your interest. It, I'm leaving it because it doesn't pique my interest if it's be, if it's at the expense of inside the NBA. Yeah, I agree with that. I will boycott live more than I might have already boycotted it because we're losing the best show on television. Right. And he has much more credibility talking basketball than he does talking golf. And he, he does so much stuff, he can't say no to podcasts. So we hear everything he has to say. So mm-hmm. I don't know if there will be anything new and exciting and notable when he goes to golf. Unless, like we said the other day, he takes a shot at the Saudis. Take it or leave it. Matthew Kachuk does more to make the Blues better than Juan Soto does for the Cardinals. Oh, totally take it. Oh, 100% take. Because Matthew Kachuk brings something the Blues don't have, and most other teams don't have. The Cardinals already have hitters. But the problem with the big the big problem with the Cardinals is that they don't have enough pitchers. Now, I'm not saying Juan Soto wouldn't help the Cardinals, but the issue today with the Cardinals is that they just don't have enough pitching. Also, I'm looking at it as Matthew Chuck is coming to St. Louis. You know he's going to be here long term. If Juan Soto comes to St. Louis, I uh, would bet a lot of money that he would not stay here. He will not. Because they're not going to offer him the most money no. to stay here long term. Take it or leave it. A sick day should be used for a mental health day, even if you aren't sick. 100% yeah, take. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Health yeah, is health. It, mental it, or physical. Right. Health and, is health. And if there's no way that you can be mentally engaged on a particular day, absolutely, you should be able to call in and say, hey, I can't make it. Now, it's got to be legit. You can't just say, I, I can't make it, and then go out and play golf. I think there's got to be, well, golf is a pretty good mental break. But I, I think there has to be a, le- a level of legitimacy to it. <laughs> Randy, that was well played. I see what you did there. Yeah. No, you can't go play golf. Well, I mean, actually, golf is a pretty good way to well, if you're, hit the men- mental break. So yeah, if, if reset, playing but... golf is good for your mental health, oh I'm God. not going to judge you. I'm also going to clip that off. Go, go out there and do it. Absolutely. Take it or leave it. Mo signs Dallas Keuchel and blames the way the market trended as why he did nothing to improve glaring needs for the fourth consecutive year. Cards come in second in the solo sweepstake as usual. I'll, I'll suggest two things. Number one, last year when the Cardinals got Hap and Lester, a lot of people said, "Yeah, that's kind of stupid. What are they going to do? And they went 9-3, and three, and the mm-hmm. Cardinals did wind up making the playoffs after I said they had zero chance of making the playoffs. So I would suggest that the Cardinals did make a couple of moves last year that helped them. The other part of this is that, no, I don't think, I, I will leave that they will sign Dallas Keuchel. Um, I am going to leave it because earlier in the show, I said that my during our Cardinals Mad Lib segment, that my Cy Young Award other than Wayno is going to TBD. Mm-hmm. So I am suggesting that John Mozalek is going to be active and acquire some pitching to fortify this rotation. And um, I think it's going, he's not going to come out and say that the market trended in a certain way and that's what dictated his moves. I think he is going to be the dictator this time around. He's not going to let the market dictate his decisions. He's going to dictate the market. He has more to arbitrage 
than any other team in baseball with the Cardinals Farm System set up the way it is. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, we want to hear from you with Rhino Shield Mic Drops. If the Cardinals don't make it to the NLCS this year, or even win the division, who is going to pay the price? We've given you ours. We'll give those again. And we want to hear from you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. One of the main tenets of sports, if you are in a front office, is that if things don't go the way that they were expected to go, then... Get you a fall guy. (laughs) And many organizations... Get you a fall guy. More than others. Thank you, Chris Carter. But uh, the Cardinals have not been somebody generally as an organization. And part of the reason is, is that they have had winning records every year since 2008. So they really haven't had to designate a fall guy on a regular basis, aside from the three years where they missed the playoffs. And then Mike Matheny absolutely paid the price uh, with his job. Derek Lilliquist paid the price with his job. Uh, They replaced hitting coaches. So they did a lot of things internally with with the staff during the course of the time where they were missing the playoffs. I I also think a lot of fans thought that Mike Matheny was given a huge runway despite fans wanting him gone. And really the thing that tipped it over wasn't his lack of success. It was Jordan Hicks and Bug Norris and, and the hazing. You're exactly right. It was a bad headline that acts Mike Matheny, not even production. Yeah, optics played a huge role in him not being the Cardinal manager anymore. Now, if the Cardinals, who had a manager that said, We'll be disappointed if we don't win the World Series in 2022. If they don't get to the NLCS, if they don't win a playoff series, who's going to pay the price? Michelle, you and I talked about this yesterday. My guess would be that it'll be Mike Maddox. Even though the Cardinals pitching is good, they're, I believe, third or no, fourth or fifth in team ERA in Major League Baseball. They were fifth in team ERA and sixth in run scored. There you go. So I I think that the Cardinals will look at the injuries to – Flaherty and to Reyes and the the lack of progress of some of the older pitchers that they brought in like Andrew Miller. I, I'm thinking that if I could pick a name here, I'm going to go with Mike Maddox. I don't think that anyone will be the fall guy because I think that, as you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of built-in excuses, a lot of guys that were injured. There was the lockout. There, There's just a lot of things that the Cardinals could point to that I think would um, give them a little bit of a cushion if they wanted to say we're not going to make any moves. But I think if it's anybody, it's not going to be John Mozeliak. And I don't think it, it will be Jeff Albert if John Mozeliak is as safe as we think that he is. So I don't know if Mike Maddox will be the guy, Randy. What about Michael Gersh? Because if, that's a great call. Because if health isn't going to be the excuse, it's going to be the lack of acquisitions before and or during the season. And as much as we always want to point to Mo because he's the figurehead and the front-facing component of the front office, Michael Gersh is, in fact, the general manager. Mm-hmm. And we don't give him credit when the Cardinals make good moves, but and we also don't give him heat if the Cardinals don't make a good move. But at some point, if John Moselak is safe, someone within the front office is going to have to pay the price. And that's what we want to know from you. Who do you think pays the price if indeed the Cardinals don't win a playoff series this year in advance to the National League Championship Series? And we do have a mic drop. And John is first up here on 101 ESPN. 
I think that the one group that's going to pay the price if the Cardinals don't make it to the National League Championship Series is us, the fans. I don't think anybody else will be held accountable. I don't think that anybody else will be responsible and have to take the fall. I think it's just us. And when John Mosellock will say, well... Uh, well, yeah, I don't know how you can. Hold, what are you going to do? Fire the fans? I don't think you can do that. No, I think I think he's suggesting that the fans are just going to be stuck in the same spot, and they're not going to be pleased with what they deem to be a mediocre or subpar product. And it's not a losing product, but fans expect mm-hmm. more than just to sneak into the playoffs and get bounced in the first round. Fans expect the Cardinals to be in the CS. They expect them to be in the World Series and be legitimate World Series contenders. And, and they're paying the price if they're not getting that. And that's why this is a thing, right? Because the Cardinals expressed through their manager that it would be a disappointment if they don't win the World Series. And it's hard to win the World Series if you don't go to the NLCS. Do you think that in that moment... Because Ali Marmal was probably being very genuine mm-hmm. that this is the club and an organization that does go into it every year expecting to be in the convo and win a World Series. And as a manager or someone that's in charge of leading a group of people, I want to set that tone that this is what you should be thinking about from day one spring mm-hmm. training. It's not let's go out there and give it our best. It's this is the expectation and you need to do everything possible in order to reach that expectation. But I wonder if he thought that that was going to be the snapshot that we take out mm-hmm. and that for the rest of the season we hold as the barometer. Yeah, Probably not. No, We get an interesting text and our, our friend Lisa, we appreciate you texting in, and she asks, where has Jeff Albert's guidance won before, Randy? What track record? What is, what is his track record? And as far as a major league track record, no. Uh, all he has is the, this track record with the Cardinals. But whenever I run into somebody and they complain about Jeff Albert, I say, well, who would you rather have as your hitting coach? Who's the best hitting coach in Major League Baseball? And nobody can ever come up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they want to remove this guy and replace him, but nobody knows who the best hitting coach in baseball is. Nobody can tell me yeah. who the best guy is. It's not like offensive, defensive coordinators in no. football you, where you know who's good and who's not. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I, I said the Cardinals need to shoot a hostage. And even though the overall numbers are... They're representative. There's nothing wrong with being fifth in Major League Baseball and runs scored. But when you look at individual success of people like Kisner specifically uh, and, and some of the regression or the, the roller coaster ride that people like Bader and O'Neill go on, yeah, you would like to have those guys perform better. But at some point, it just might be their talent level too. Because he hasn't had a dramatically negative effect on Goldie and Arenado. Seems like Tommy Edmond is a pretty good performer. It seems like after a slow start, Dylan Carlson has actually hit pretty well since May. So, uh, yes, you would like everybody to be great, but you also need talented players. You can coach. You can coach up some guys all you want, and you can be the greatest hitting coach in the history of baseball. But if the guy doesn't have the talent to hit at the major league level. It doesn't matter how much you coach him. You know who I would love to have this conversation with is Albert Pujols. What do you mm-hmm. think about Jeff Albert's philosophies? Do you mm-hmm. think that this... Is there anything that Jeff Albert is teaching the club that you would implement into your yeah. strategy and your approach? Right. And by the way, to me, the biggest issue and the biggest question I would have for Albert, if I were John Mozeliak or Bill DeWitt Jr., I would say, 
what happened with Matt Carpenter? Why is Matt Carpenter able to able to go out and spend an offseason reworking his swing and fixing himself? And we couldn't do that in the two years that we were paying him $38 million. Didn't Colton Wong, too, when he went to the Brewers, mention mm-hmm. how it, how his offense improved yeah. when he went to a different organization? Yeah. And by the way, now he's fallen off the cliff. Right. So sometimes it's just the guy. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We've got more of these, more of your mic drops coming up, more of your texts coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock. But coming up next year on 101 ESPN, one of our favorites here in St. Louis, former Blue Oscar Sundquist joins us from Sweden, right? Here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. For the Blues, up the right wing, drops it off, clock at the point, shot, score, the rebound! Oscar Sundquist, looky what I found! Saad. Gets it back off the wall. Here's a shot on rebound. Score! Sunquist with his second point of the game. His first goal of the game. Hawks going to rip it wide. Rebound poked in front. And they score! Oscar Sunquist went to the front of the net. He found the puck behind Murray and he buries it in. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and former Blue Oscar Sundquist, Stanley Cup champion with the St. Louis Blues, now of the Detroit Red Wings, joins us on 101 ESPN. Oscar, good morning here in St. Louis. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all good. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, not quite morning here in Sweden, but uh, it's, good, it's good to be on here. Oscar, we're so glad to visit with you. Tell us what Sweden is like in the summer. I think most people listening here in St. Louis would love the visual. I mean, it, it never gets. The sun is up for uh, 24 hours, basically. So uh, it, it's all a new thing for my for my for my girl that's from from St. Louis being here. She's having some trouble sleeping because it's so bright all the time. But other than that, it's it's very beautiful. I love I love coming back home during summers. And when you get back home, what do you do in Sweden during the summer? I mean, mostly mostly it's all like catching up with friends, trying to meet up with everyone that. That I've known since since I was a child and stuff like that, and he's having trying to have a good time with them and, and spend as much time as, with them and and same with the families. He's trying to trying to spend as much time as possible that he can. So it's good, it's good seeing everyone. Absolutely. And and what's a food, Oscar? Uh, what's a Swedish food that you absolutely have to have when you go back home that you don't get here in the states? I mean, a, a lot of it is obviously the, the Swedish meatballs that I love that that my mom makes and and. Uh, I mean, I think that's probably my my top one that that I need when I come home. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of sausages and stuff like that. So uh, everything everything is great, and it's good to be be home and having some Swedish meals. Oscar, you have remained here. You actually came to a Blues playoff game. What is it about St. Louis that you like so much that you, you've stayed here? I mean, it, it's it's like I'm I'm telling my girlfriend too. It's it's. It's like my second home, you know. It's it, it feels like just everything with the city and every how welcome they've been to me all the, this whole time I've been my five years that I've played for the Blues, and it's it's just it just feels like home. And like I, that's why when I'm keeping the house too in St. Louis and when I stay there, uh, also like spending some summers there half and half, kind of with Sweden. And uh, I don't know, it, it's just so welcoming, and like I, I truly love the city, and it's it's been so awesome being being a part of of the city of St. Louis. And Oscar, when you're so connected to a city and an organization and you become a champion in a certain place, it's got to be difficult to move on. So what's it been like adapting to life in Detroit? 
I mean, obviously, it's like you said, it was hard hard hearing the news, but you know, it's it's all business, and and you you just have to do what you're told basically. But uh, it was hard, and it was kind of it was mostly mostly weird, kind of being putting a, a, a red jersey on instead of a blue one. But uh, you quickly quickly adapt to 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 where you are and and how it's going, kind of. So uh, I mean, it, it was weird at first, but. Everyone in Detroit, same there. They've been so welcoming, and it's been it's been awesome time. The, the few months I've been there, so uh, I'm looking forward to going back there now too. Former Blue Oscar Sunquist of the Red Wings with us on 101 ESPN, and you you walk into the room, and there's Robbie Fabry, and you you show up with Jake Wallman, and now Billy Huso and David Perron are going to join you. It's got to be a comfort level to have all those guys that you won with here in St. Louis now in Detroit. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it makes it makes it a lot easier, and I, I've been. Welcoming both uh, both Peron and who so we've been talking a lot so uh, it, it definitely gets more comfortable and, and same with like Robbie Fabry welcoming us when when we got there right away and taking care of us so uh, like you said it it feels like it's getting a lot a lot of former Blues players there now so uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun next season. I want to ask you specifically about David Perron, Oscar. What sort of an impact can he make on the Red Wings? I mean, I, I think a lot. Just, just. I mean, everyone knows how how good of a player he is and the impact he can make on the ice. But I think also, like with his with his experience and and what he's been through throughout his career and and showing kind of uh, the the younger younger guys, this is what it takes basically to to be a champion and and to get to the next level. So I'm I'm very excited to have David on on my side again, and it's gonna be. I think we're gonna have a lot of fun, and like I said, he's gonna bring he's gonna bring so much that. I mean, it's it's going to be very very valuable for for the whole organization. Hey, Oscar, you had the the surgeries, and that caused you to delay the start of last season. How are you feeling right now? Are are you back to 100? Uh, percent I'm getting there. I had another another knee surgery after after this season to to fix up the knee a little bit. So uh, still working on it, but it it feels so much better now. You know, like I said, last season was more. Some ga- some games it felt like I was skating with one leg and the knee didn't work and I had no power in the leg and stuff like that. But uh, now after after a second surgery here, it's been it's been really good. Um, just just strength wise and like my my motion and reach and everything. So feels like I'm getting back to track and I'm 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 looking forward to to try it on ice now here again. Oscar, I want to ask you about the GM in Detroit, Steve Eiserman. I know you're on with Andy Strickland and Cam Jansen, and you described him as kind of terrifying. What is it about him that makes him terrifying? I, I don't know. You know, like you, you're sitting in a room with him, and it's kind of kind of intimidating, and, and you, you kind of see in his eyes kind of like what he wants. I mean, like I said, it is intimidating, but at the same time, it's like he, he has a goal, and the goal is to win, and you, you can really sense that when you're in a room with him one-on-one and, uh, it's a good feeling, even though he is a little bit intimidating. But other than that, it, he, he's 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 doing such a good job, and like you know, from his past, what he's done before with Tampa and all that stuff, and now he's come to Detroit and he's gonna do the same thing. So I mean, he uh, he is uh, he's an intimidating guy, but he he's got a goal, and that that kind of like rubs off on on everyone else. I feel like who is more intimidating, Iserman or Chief? Uh, Iserman. I thought we were going to say Doug there for a second. Doug would be would be kind of kind of on the same level, but uh, Chief is Chief is fine. He's uh, he was intimidating at first. I mean, after a couple of years, you, you start joking around with him, and now you you just, you just laugh at each other. Basically, we we give each other shit all the time. So 
he was intimidating at first, but not anymore. Now he's like a little, this little, little soft guy. See, I put, I was thinking Army Oscar in that conversation, but then I was thinking after I know you and your teammates at the time probably watched a ton of videos of Craig Berube fighting back in the day. I thought he might be a better nomination. Yeah, he, he was at first, but he's as you get to know him, he's he's a, he's a sweet guy. It's and it's like, and he, his job isn't to be intimidating, like kind of like. The GM's job is to be a little bit intimidating. So Chief is more like a, more like a, on the softer side. He, he's really good. So, uh, but for sure, he was at at start. I was terrified of Chief too. <laughs> hey Oscar, did you ever hear the story? A youngster after you guys won the Stanley Cup, a youngster asked Chief who his favorite player was, and he said Oscar Sundquist, and he called you the engine of the team. If you haven't heard that, how does it make you feel? I mean, it obviously gives you it gives you such a such a boost with on all the levels. Uh, I mean that's that's kind of what you want to hear, and and I mean I I never thought of myself like like that. I, I was just kind of doing my job and trying to get get the guys going, and kind of I mean the the, the biggest thing for us was too with with Steen that led the whole line, and he he was kind of the guy talking to us too with me and Barbashev about we, we might not me and Barbashev might not show it in the locker room as much as Steen, but on the ice we we're gonna show our teammates, this is what we need to do to win hockey games. And this is how we have to play. And I feel, I feel like that rubbed off a lot. And, and I mean, it, it suited me perfectly to, to be that style of, of play. And that just kind of grew my game and like understanding what kind of, what kind of player I will be in the, in the NHL. So, I mean, that, uh, to, to hear that, like I said, it's, it's such a confidence boost on, on all the levels. Well, Oscar, with you and so many of your fellow Blue t- Blues teammates being in Detroit now, I think a lot of St. Louisans are going to be paying a little bit more attention to the Detroit Red Wings. So give us a scouting report on your team. What are your expectations for your club as you head into next season? I mean, I thought, I mean, at first, before before the free agency, we were a very, very young team. And, uh, I mean, now after free agency, it's like, I think I think we got a shot here. Like, we can do something really good. Uh, we got some really new Good new players and that can help us a lot and maybe maybe already to take that next step this season to to maybe fight for a playoff spot and, and get in the playoffs. So I'm very excited to 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 see how how, how everything goes plans out. And I mean, like I said, after free agency, I'm, I'm very confident in in this group of, of of guys and I think we're gonna have a do a lot of lot of damage in in this league. Hey, Oscar, one more thing from me. Matthew Kachuk, I don't know if you've heard over there, Matthew Kachuk of the Flames has told the Flames that he won't sign a long-term contract extension with them. Blues fans are dreaming of getting Matthew Kachuk. You've been on the ice against him. What's it like to play against Matthew Kachuk? Uh, I mean, that's, well, it's kind of it's kind of simple. It's not something you want to do, basically. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he, is that, he is that type of guy that you don't want to play against, and he, he's so good at what he's doing, and at the same time, he 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 gets under your skin, and at the same time, I mean, he racked up over a hundred points too. So I mean, it's he he he's so good at what he's doing, and like I said, you, you don't wanna you don't wanna play against him. And uh, I mean, I know I know a lot of a lot of fans want him in St. Louis, and I think he would fit St. Louis perfectly the style of play that the Chief wants to play. So uh, I'm excited to see see what's happening to him. Oscar, I wanted to ask you, over in Sweden, I know you're getting a chance to play in a charity tournament with Peter Forsberg, who was your hero growing up and kind of your, your hockey hero. How does it feel now to have a relationship with him and get to do these kind of events with him? I mean, it, it's awesome. You know, we just 
just to talk to him and like for for me personally too like that he's he's actually human basically you know so it's uh, it, it's cool it's cool to to be able to talk to him and chat a little bit and i mean he's he's been awesome i've met him a couple of times now so it's it's, it's always great to see him and and I mean, you, you still, even though I met him a couple of times, you still get this wow feeling when you when you actually see him again. So uh, it, it, it's just awesome to, to be able to get to know him a little bit better. Oscar, great stuff. Great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy your time over in Sweden, and we'll see you back here in St. Louis when you return. Yeah, we will. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. That is former Blue Oscar Sundquist of the Detroit Red Wings on 101 ESPN. What a great interview. We miss Sonny here in St. Louis. I know he still has a presence here, and it was so wonderful to see him back in St. Louis at the Blues games in the playoffs. But you're right. You miss that engine. You you miss that presence for sure. And the way he plays, Mm -hmm. as he says, he had to undergo another knee surgery. You hope that he can get back to that stage where he's 100% and do what he does as a member of the Blues. Also, how funny that his nickname is Sonny because his name's Oscar Sundquist, and it's sunny at all hours of the day in summertime <laughs> right. in Sweden. Uh, that really fits. Yeah, it sure does. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. The fight is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It's time for the fight on Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. The last fight of the week. And Matt, if memory serves me correctly, this would be another sweep for Randy. It would be an even 15 wins, which if you do the math and you know how weeks work in radio, that means three straight weeks. <laughs> he last lost three three Fridays ago was the last time he lost. He has since swept 14 straight. Can he make it 15? He is coming dangerously close to that Cardinals record of it 17. Is unbelievable the streak he's on right now. Yesterday we had a lot of uh, textures throw up their hands. They're like, you know what? This is just Megamind is unbeatable, and it's getting to that point. Well, Matt is not intimidated because he has volunteered as tribute to challenge Randy today. <laughs> Matt, good morning. How you doing? Great. How you guys doing? Uh, ready to uh, end this heater that I Randy's on. Yes, Matt. That's the type of energy and confidence we need. Okay, and I guess it ends there. Are you ready to go? I am ready ready to go. (laughs) Okay, question number one. In just his six years in the NFL, including one where he was injured half the year, how many times has Ezekiel Elliott led the NFL in rushing yards? Once, twice, or three times? Uh, I'll go with, uh, I'll go twice. In Steven Jackson's career-high 2006 season, he gained 2,334 total yards from scrimmage, leading the NFL. It's also the seventh highest in NFL history. How many receptions did Steven Jackson have that season? Was it 90, 95, or 101? Uh, 90. All right, Matt. Happy birthday to Tim Brown. The Hall of Fame receiver played for the Raiders for 16 of his 17 years, racking up over 1,000 catches and 14,000 yards. What other team did he play for? Was it the New England Patriots, the Seattle Seahawks, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Oh, man. Uh, Let's go Seahawks. 
Matt Holliday was selected in the seventh round of the 1998 Major League Baseball draft, six picks ahead of which current National League manager? Was that David Bell, David Ross, or Craig Council? Um, let's go with uh, let's go David Ross. Matt's score has been recorded and confirmed. Yeah, not, not feeling good about that one. <laughs> which one, the last one or the entire fight? All, the whole thing. It's amazing how confident people are when they come on the show. They take the fight, and I watch it just dissipate right out of them. <laughs> and yeah, Matt, three, you should... Go ahead. Three football questions, kind of. That's my weakest uh, subject there. Is it, though? Because you did better than you think, my friend. Randy, say good uh, morning to Matt. Matt, good morning. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Randy, do you know that if you win today, it's 15 in a row, three weeks that you have swept if you win today? Wow, I did not know that. No pressure. No, not really. So, uh, hey, the Cardinals lost after winning 17 in a row, right? Correct. I want you to get to 17, though. <laughs> you do. I think you're rooting against me. There's got to be a Danny. <laughs> there's got to be a Danny Mac call I can pull though if he does get to 17, where it's like the Cardinals have won 17 in a row or something like that. <laughs> and, and I'm pulling that if, it, if no, he gets there. No, here's what I need you to dub your voice over and say Randy Carricker. <laughs> and and Randy Carricker has gotten to 17. I love I love really janky audio cuts like that. <laughs> Mega Mind, you ready? Ready. Question number one. In just his six year. Oh, did you say good morning to Matt? Hey Matt. Good morning. Sorry. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks remember. for playing. I can't remember, guys. I'm losing it on a Friday. Question number one. In just his six years in the NFL, including one where he was injured half the year, how many times has Ezekiel Elliott led the NFL in rushing yards? I think he led in his rookie year and then like his third or fourth. I'll go with two. In Steven Jackson's career-high 2006 season, he gained 2,334 total yards from skim- scrimmage, leading the NFL. How many receptions did he have that season? That was an epic season, and he was unbelievable in the second half. The late, great Sean Taylor. So Steven gets into the open field, and the only guy for Washington back is Sean Taylor, and Sean Taylor ran away. That's, <laughs> that's how intimidating Steven was. Wow. Uh, he had 90 catches that year. Happy birthday to... Matt Rocchio, our producer extraordinaire, and, of course, Tim Brown. HBD. HBD to Matt and Tim. The Hall of Fame receiver played for the Raiders for 16 of his 17 years, racking up over 1,000 catches and 14,000 yards. What other team did he play for? I believe he was a Tampa Bay Buccaneer at the end of his career. Matt Holliday was selected in the seventh round of the 1998 MLB draft. Hmm. Six picks ahead of which current National League manager? So I'm, I'm not really an expert on the seventh round of baseball drafts. What? So I'll do the lifeline here. Is it David Bell, David Ross, or Craig Council? Okay, what year? 1998. Okay, David Bell played here before 1998. So it's not him. Um, Craig Council played against the Cardinals as a really young player in the 2001 playoffs against Greg Matthews. Man, he had a weird batting stance. Oh my gosh, so weird. And David Rouse. Rouse the boss. Yeah. Uh, he seems like he came up. Well, He seems like Matt's 42, 
and I think Ross is about the same age. I am just going to go with David Ross because it seems logical. It's got. I, I don't think there's any chance it's David Bell. So a coin flip between Ross and Council, and I'm going to go with Ross. This was an epic fight on a Friday. Did Matt stop the streak? Or did Randy live to see another day? Rocky will ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Matt, you got three correct. Megamind got four. Yep, Megamind got four. I'm so sorry, but great fight on your end. Oh, appreciate it. Have a great weekend, Matt. Thank you very much. Have a good one, guys. You too. Thank you very much. Win, 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 win. I'm winning. That's my quarterback. (laughs) That's my quarterback. I hit the wrong button. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Can you keep that's my quarterback for the next segment? I will. I'm unstoppable today. Unstoppable today. thought we were going to get the entirety of the song there. <laughs> there we go. But shout out to Sia. Sia's awesome. She's great. Great hair. Would you ever do that? The kind of the Corella de DeVille, half black, half white? I don't think I would, no. I think it'd be a great look for you. Maybe one day then. I can just imagine you showing up to the ballpark, going down to the field to interview the players, and you've got the Cruella. Little Sia look, yeah. Yeah, you, he's gone. Randy's gone full Sia. All right, so even though Randy got all four correct, let's roll back and reveal the answers. Ezekiel Elliott has led the NFL in rushing yards twice in 2016 and 2018. In Steven Jackson's career-high 2006 season, he gained 2,334 total yards from scrimmage. He led the NFL, and he had 90 receptions that season. Number one on my what-if sports list. Mm-hmm. He would have been a Hall of Famer had he gone to a team that wasn't terrible. If he winds up with the Steelers, Ugh. he's easily in the Hall of Fame. Unreal. It's Tim Brown's birthday, and he played for the Raiders for 16 of his 17 years. The other team he played for was, in fact, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Matt Holiday friend of the station, was selected in the seventh round of the 1998 Major League Baseball draft, six picks ahead of David Rouse the Boss. Rouse the Boss. So there we go. We have it. Uh, thank you very much, guys. It's great. So that, is that 15 or is that... That's 15, It is, in fact, sir. 15. I was wrong about the last time you lost. The last time you lost was a Thursday because there was the 4th of July holiday in there that skipped the day. Oh, okay. So you lost a Thursday, one a Friday. Then we came back on Tuesday, and that was number two of now a 15-win streak for Randy Carriker. So if, if we're coming in on Wednesday and you win Monday and Tuesday, we're coming in with you going for... For the cart to beat the cardinal streak. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, keeping track of that, Matthew. We do appreciate it. Hey, NFL training camps are underway, and uh, Michelle and I have our NFL storylines for you coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. NFL training camps are underway, and Michelle and I have our top storylines as the NFL gets rolling. The Broncos. 
Michelle, last season, Denver built themselves a nice little outfit. Despite trading Von Miller, the defense was third in the league in points allowed, eighth overall. And despite defenses knowing the limitations of their passing game, the Broncos were 13th running the ball with a great pair of Javante Williams leading the way with Melvin Gordon as his backup. But alas, their quarterbacks threw for just 211 yards a game, just 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions while being sacked 40 times. Enter 33-year-old Russell Wilson from Seattle, where he had a career record of 104 wins, 53 losses, and a tie with a couple of Super Bowl trips and one championship. With new offensive-minded coach Nathaniel Hackett, Wilson is supposed to be the missing piece. He has receivers, he has the running game, he has the defense, but does everything come together in Denver under Russell Wilson this season? Uh, what does he say? Let's ride. He says, let's ride. Let's and ride. he is Mr. Unlimited. Can he ride with the Broncos? I don't know. I can't wait to have the same conversations that we had about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady about Pete Carroll and Russell mm-hmm. Wilson. How much of of one success was contributed to the other? And, a, and will he be able to be the Russell Wilson that he expects to be in Denver? It's definitely a story to watch. Yes, it is. The 49ers. Randy, it is July 22nd, and we still don't know where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be playing football this season. The San Francisco 49ers have officially given Jimmy G's agents permission to seek a trade involving Jimmy G. He's recovering right now from off-season surgery on that throwing shoulder, but he's been cleared to start practicing as the Niners are preparing for the start of training camp, which focus, which shifts our focus then to Trey Lance. He's worked as a starter during, during San Francisco's off-season program while Jimmy G has been rehabbing, but is he ready to be the guy? A lot of people want to dismiss Jimmy G and his success, but I'm wondering if Trey Lance is going to be able to step in and do what Jimmy G has done with the 49ers. I'll also be really interested to see which team wants to take a chance on Jimmy Garoppolo coming off that injury at 30 years old, who's entering the final season of his contract and is scheduled to count $26.95 million against the salary cap. Jimmy G just does one thing. Just win, baby. He's a top five winning percentage guy since the merger among quarterbacks in the NFL. But the last point you made is the key one. Does anybody have $26.95 million to spend cap-wise to bring Jimmy G in? I don't know at this stage where he lands unless the Niners cut him and somebody can sign him for the the minimum. Um, And this is a team that's supposed to be competing for the the NFC West title. They're projected to win 11, 12 games. There's not going to be any sort of a learning curve for Trey Lance. This is a team that needs to win. And they can't keep Jimmy G around. You cannot keep a guy who was in the playoffs for you last year, the veteran, to try to have him back up the the new starter, the second-year guy. It just does not work that way. The Colts. Well, Michelle, much like the Broncos, the Colts seemed to be a quarterback away with Carson Wentz having a rough stretch last year. But they needed a left tackle and a number one wide receiver as well. Only eight teams allowed fewer points than Indy, and their rush defense was in the top ten. And with Jonathan Taylor, the Colts' running game was second in the league behind only Philly. And they did have some receiving talent in Michael Pittman Jr., but needed a little bit more. They had to replace defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. He went to the Bears, and they did so with Gus Bradley, who's been to a Super Bowl. But the biggest get was former quarterback of the Falcons, Matt Ryan, who's been to a Super Bowl. Ryan can elevate those around him, including a couple of young receivers in Indy. He's great with young receivers. He has the leadership skills that Carson Wentz did not have. And we'll see if Ryan can stay upright, if he can. If they protect Matt Ryan... Indy will definitely be a team to watch in an easy-to-win AFC South. 
I can't wait to see what he does there. I think this is a key year for Frank Reich mm-hmm. because his guy was Carson Wentz, right? I was right? just going to say that. Yep. He he had a lot of stock in Carson Wentz. Yep. And now they, they've kind of missed, not on the quarterback, not only on the quarterback, but they missed on last year's left tackle. It didn't work out with Eric Fisher. And I, I'm just wondering if they're questioning the evaluation abilities of Frank Reich in Indy. The Bengals. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know uh, what his leash is like with Jim Ursay, too, who's a guy yeah. who seems like he wants to win badly. Absolutely. The Bengals. If you've listened to the show at all last fall, you know how much I love Joe Burrow. Joe Cool has established himself as the franchise quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. And after their first Super Bowl berth in 33 years, will the dreaded Super Bowl hangover arrive for Cincinnati? It better not, Randy, because this is a limited window for the Cincinnati Bengals to win. Three of their most important players are going to be eligible for a contract extension in 2023. I'm talking about quarterback Joe Burrow, receiver T. Higgins, and linebacker Logan Wilson. Oh, and by the way, Jamar Chase is also eligible for an extension in 2024. That's a lot of money that's going to be tied up in a limited amount of players if you're Cincinnati. Now, even though we hope that they don't have that Super Bowl hangover, they did go out and fortify their biggest weakness last year, which was their offensive line. Poor Joe Burrow was absolutely mangled last year because of a Swiss cheese offensive line. So let's hope that he can be protected and that Cincinnati can make another run towards the Super Bowl. And Michelle, one of the problems that they have in Cincinnati is that even though with a salary cap and revenue sharing, there's so many ancillary sources of income for the big money teams like the L.A. Rams, who beat Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. But the the Chargers have that sort of money coming in. The New York teams have that sort of money coming in. The problem that the Bengals have is cash. Because when you have to give huge signing bonuses, the Cardinals gave a ton of money to Kyler Murray guaranteed yesterday. You have to give big checks. And the Bengals just don't have that cash to give to four key upcoming free agents. Somebody's going to have to go and It'll be in large part because they can't give a $100 million check, and they're probably going to have to, by the way, to Joe Burrow. Oh. They're going to have to give him 160 guaranteed. I think that's what Kyler Murray got. And when you look at, in the division, what Deshaun Watson got guaranteed from the Browns, Joe Burrow's going to ask for that and should get more. When he's been to a Super Bowl after coming off a knee injury like that, and you know that, or at least you're hoping that the sky is the limit for this guy and he's somebody that you need to keep around for a long time, the asking price is going to be pretty high if I'm Joe Burrow's camp. Yeah, and the Brown family is going to have to get uncomfortable. They're yeah. going to have to cut down on the amount of money that they take home, and they're going to have to give it to their quarterback. The Raiders. All right, Michelle, Josh McDaniels in Vegas. <laughs> Is he better than he was in Denver? Is he better than he was in St. Louis? With the acquisition of defensive end Chandler Jones, the Raiders might have the best best pass rush in the league with Jones and Max Crosby. McDaniels has a great staff. Mick Lombardi is running a very talented offense. Patrick Graham, the former Giants defensive coordinator, is running the defense. And they've added to a loaded offense. They already had running back Josh Jacobs, wide receiver Hunter Renfro, tight end Darren Waller, and quarterback Derek Carr with the best receiver in the game in Devontae Adams. If ever there was a coach that just needed to get out of the way and let his coaches coach and let his players play, it's McD in Vegas. Do you have any confidence that he's going to be able to have success there? Because I don't. I don't either. No, because we saw up close and personal how inept he is as an X's and O's guy. Oh, yeah. And he's another guy, product like Belichick, product of Brady. He wasn't nearly as good when he didn't have Tom Brady as his quarterback. I'll be really interested to see because the best thing he can do 
The best thing Josh McDaniels can do is be a CEO. Don't try to micromanage like Belichick. Don't try to be Belichick. Try to be Dick Vermeil. Let your coaches coach. Let your players play. That's what he needs to do to succeed. That was one of my biggest takeaways from Seth Wickersham's outstanding book, It's Better to Be Feared, about Brady and Belichick, is there's there's that looming question. Why do so many Belichick coordinators and coaches within the system in New England go on to fail elsewhere? And it's because they all try to be Bill mm-hmm. Belichick. And you're never going to be Bill, Bill Belichick. You have to take what you've learned from him and apply your own style of coaching and your own thoughts to whatever organization you land in and not try to be what is one of one. And listen, Josh McDaniels, great success in New England. Didn't translate in Denver. Certainly didn't translate here in St. Louis. He left the Colts at the altar. I don't know why, given the body of work outside New England that we have, that I would think that it would be any different with the Raiders. No, you would hope that he has just talked to other coaches and learned his lesson about not being Bill Belichick. The Dolphins. Let it breathe. Tune to your voice like taking steroids? Yes. Okay. It's a performance and answer. Okay. So he's the A-Rod of the music scene. Yeah, Actually, yeah. he's the Barry Bonds because he's an incredibly good singer. He he's just, for some reason, decided to roll with a lot of his career being auto-tuned. He's an incredible singer, so it's like Barry Bonds taking the stories. He didn't need to be a Hall of Famer. He won the uh, Fox show, uh, what was it, something, Masked Singer. He won that. T-Pain did. Yeah. All right. Well, and shout he, out to he, he really sang, apparently. I love it. Uh, Randy... We saved our team, the Miami Dolphins, for last. And you know what it is? It's two a time. It's my quarterback. That's our quarterback. And the Dolphins have certainly put him in a position to succeed. He's surrounded by a lot of talent. Jalen Waddell's going to be there. And, of course, they went out this season and provided him with perhaps the most dangerous weapon in the NFL, Tyreek Hill. They also have a new coaching staff led by Mike McDaniel, who is very endearing. A lot of people are excited to see what Mike McDaniel can do in Miami, but I can't wait to see if Tua can be the guy that the Dolphins anticipated him to be. And like we say with the St. Louis Cardinals, Randy, if not now, when? It's Tua time. Can he do it? That's my number one storyline in the NFL. Michelle? Get your popcorn ready. <laughs> because it's going to happen. Not only does he have Tyreek Hill, but at the Vaseline desk in the 101 ESPN offices, they've got the lucky golf bag up now. Oh, that's right. That's right. And so with the combination of Tyreek Hill being added to what they already had on offense, including the best rookie receiver, well, not, I guess he wasn't the best, Waddle wasn't quite as good as Jamar Chase. He was in the combo. Yeah, he was. Uh, But yeah, I I would say that uh, our our team's got some guys. Uh, Proposition. Some, Some dudes. We got some dudes, okay. Proposition for you, my friend. Yes. We need to get Tua on the show to give him the character and Smallman bump. That's a great idea. Let's do that. Let's get that. Let's get working on that. Matt, I will task you with that because I think that if we're going to cheer for the Dolphins, it's the least we could do is help him out. And in the email, point out a that the Dolphins are the official team of character and Smallman. Correct. And attach a photo of the bag. Oh, correct. And the Tua jersey. 
and the Tua jersey. Yeah. All right. We're working on that. Do you think he can do it, Tua? I think he can, but they have he has to be coached right. And I think McDaniels, not McDaniels, but Mike McDaniel. Singular L. Yes. Mike McDaniel. Is the perfect guy for him. Look at what Mike McDaniel was able to accomplish with Jimmy G. Just get the ball into the hands of your guys. Get the ball into the hands of Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill and then take your chances. He's young. He's innovative. He's creative. I think Mike McDaniel was a great hire by Miami. Yeah, they needed a great hire too. Those are NFL storylines as camps get started around the National Football League. Coming up, more of your mic drops and texts. If the Cardinals don't make it to the NLCS, who pays the price? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Michelle and Randy with you, and we want your mic drops with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. If the Cardinals don't make it to the NLCS this year, it's not a big ask. Just win a playoff round. If the Cardinals don't make it to the National League Championship Series, who pays the price? And we do have some mic drops, and we do have your text, 65780. Michelle, let's hear from Zach here on 101 ESPN. Let's do it. The Cardinals don't make it to um, win the division or make it to the NLCS this year. I'd like to see Bill DeWitt literally pay the price and then go out and make a splash in free agency. You have two prime years from Goldschmidt and Arenado, and we're just not quite sure how many years like this you have left out of them. I'd love to see them go in a little bit of a win-now mode. I know the future is bright with the farm, but it would be nice to, to try and fortify the team and make a real run at this while we have these two guys. I love that thought. Actually pay the price. Literally, yeah. Literally go out and pay the price. I think that would be a good move on the part of the Cardinals. It would be a shame if in Yachty and Albert's last years, last year, if the Cardinals wouldn't succeed. It's it's a shame, hey, we asked for more starting pitching depth during spring training when free agency was still going on, and it didn't happen there. It seemed pretty clear to most observers that the Cardinals had five questionable starting pitchers, at least in terms of their health. And that included a 40-year-old Wainwright, who has been unbelievable, and Michaelis, who's come back from his injury. But the other three guys that we were talking about Mm -hmm. as being starting pitchers, well, Flaherty, haven't seen much of him. Steven Matz has been hurt. and Dakota Hudson hasn't lived up to what he was before the Tommy John surgery. We keep saying that it would be a shame to waste Albert and Yachty's last year, which is absolutely true. But I'm going to shift my perspective, Randy. It would be a shame to waste an MVP season from Paul Goldschmidt. You cannot waste an MVP season from Paul Goldschmidt and another year of Nolan Arenado's prime. That's the way that this needs to be thought of. Because, yes, Albert and Yachty are icons. They're Hall of Famers, and you would love to send them out on top and, and frankly, maximize the, the final half of their careers. But... When you're thinking more of what you have now and what is another finite Mm -hmm. resource that's going to be depleting, how many more years are you going to have of Paul Goldschmidt being an MVP and Nolan Arenado being at his peak? Not many. You're 100% right. And is Arenado even going to be here? I don't know. That He can opt out. And the Cardinals, I don't know if, I don't know how they'd feel about having to play Jordan Walker at third on opening day next year. But if uh, that's another part of this, if they don't win 
the division, Arenado has pretty much laid it out there that he just doesn't want to be a wild card guy anymore. He wants to win divisions. And if and he said, I think we'll make moves. Well, if they don't make moves and they don't win the division, maybe he elects to opt out. Well, didn't uh, Jim Bowden say that Jordan Walker is your 2023 Rookie of the Year? He did say that. So I think the Cardinals would be comfortable playing the Rookie of the Year at third. I don't think the Cardinals would. I, I shouldn't say that. I don't think that they would be bothered playing him. I think they would be heartbroken if Arenado would opt out. I was going to say I don't think they'd be heartbroken. I think they would, but I think they'd power through. Let's get another mic drop. This is Courtney on 101 ESPN. I think if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs, everybody's going to want to blame John Mosellock. Let's stop blaming John Mosellock because at the end of the day, ownership has to okay trade deadline moves off-season acquisitions, whether it's a trade or free agency. Ownership has to do those things. You think if John Mosellock wasn't given the green light to make this a World Series championship team, he wouldn't? Yeah, he would. But ownership has to okay that. So who should take the hit if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs? As great as Mr. DeWitt has been as an owner in the past, he has to take this hit. Not wrong. There's no doubt that every single move, and John Mozeliak and Bill DeWitt talk daily, and every move is at the very least rubber stamped by Bill DeWitt. And For example, Michelle, if they go out and they get Juan Soto, that's a Bill DeWitt move. Obviously, John Mozeliak made the initial contact. Yeah. But nothing like that happens without Bill DeWitt's approval. Yeah, he's signing the checks. Yeah. And that is true, that Mo tends to be the one that Cardinals fans direct all their ire towards. But it is in lockstep with Bill DeWitt. He is the owner. He's the one that employs Mo. He is... Um, a big baseball guy that is very involved in the organization and the trajectory of the organization and the decisions and the mm-hmm. acquisitions that are being made. And it seems like he doesn't catch as much heat as John Mosellock does. No. Hey, we do appreciate your mic drops. Thanks for joining us here on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy, and coming up, who are the Blues competing against for Matthew Kachuk? And who's the scariest competitor to acquire his services? That's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The Athletic has some great pieces up regarding a potential trade for Matthew Kachuk, and one of those is seven potential destinations and we'll give you the potential destinations first of course the blues are one of those the nashville predators the detroit red wings new jersey the islanders along with the vegas golden knights and dallas michelle those are seven potential destinations for matthew kachuk according to the athletic it's too many places so we all want him to land here with the Blues. What team scares you the most in terms of going out and getting him? Well, I know that this is going to be a multifaceted decision for Matthew. He's going to go to a place that he thinks is going to be great from a hockey standpoint and that he could be put in a position to win, but it's also going to be a place where he wants to live for many years to come, which is why Randy 
The Nashville Predators scare me a little. They have about eight players that are locked in uh, from a money standpoint, and they're in a win-now mode. And Nashville, as we know, close to St. Louis and is a great place to live. A lot of hockey players view Nashville as a great destination, not only to play, but also to live. And I think that's why they really scare me. Yeah, and... It's a great spot for young people to live. He's only 24 years old, and it is a franchise that does value winning. There are franchises out there, honestly, that that don't value winning, but that's not one of them. The the Predators, to me, pose a real threat because the the logical team to, to go trade for him in terms of cap space, in terms of assets to give up, and in terms of where they are, in terms of competitiveness, it's Detroit. But does Matthew want to go to Detroit and sign an extension with the Red Wings? He grew up hating the Red Wings. He grew up punching Red Wings. I don't know if he did, but he grew up at least knowing about punch a Red Wing fan in the face day. So He was aware of it. Yeah, he was. So I don't think that even though it's logically the best spot, that practically it's the best spot. I look at Dallas, mm-hmm. and they have some really good young players that they could move. Yes, they do have to sign some of their young players, but at the moment they have $11.5 million in cap space. They need to sign Jason Robertson and Jake Ettinger, but I think that they can make a move with Calgary, give up some assets to open up the cap space, and that, according to Jeremy Rutherford's reporting, is also one of the places, in addition to Nashville, that Matthew would be willing to go and perhaps sign a long-term contract. And the thing that really scares me is that they're in the division. Now, let's let's really be honest here. Do any of these teams really scare you? Does Dallas really scare you? Do so, you really think that it's cuz to me I would think that he would at least want to see what the what the deal was with St. Louis before he signed elsewhere. And the fact that I would think that St. Louis would be first at the top of the list and might likely get the right of refusal doesn't mm-hmm. make me really necessarily scared by any of these other options. My hope would be that Matthew Kachuk would tell the Flames, "Look, you can trade me anywhere you want." You can trade me to any of the other 31 teams, but there's only one I'm signing long-term with. Right. And that's St. Louis. And my hope would be that he wouldn't sign somewhere else and make his way into unrestricted free agency. And that would be another block for a team like Dallas, Detroit, Nashville, is do you want to give up all those assets if you don't know whether you can sign him for a long-term contract? You can do your best sales pitch, but if his heart is always going to be here because he wants to be by his family, be in his hometown, be on a team that's going to contend every year, play with his buddies like Robert Thomas, you can try to convince him to stay, but is it going to be kind of a Freddie Freeman situation where he'll regret it? You don't want that on your hands either. You want a guy who's going to be likely your captain in the face of your franchise to be all in. Right. So I'm going to give you uh, some combinations that Jeremy Rutherford has up five potential trade packages okay. for the Blues for Matthew Kachuk. And what we'll do is you tell me if you like it, and then as I get to the second one, you tell me if you like the second one better and so on and so forth. Okay, okay deal. So here's proposal number one. The Flames would get Jordan Cairo, Tori Krug, and Zachary Bolduke. I don't like the Bolduke inclusion, but I'd do it. For the unicorn, I'd do it. Okay, so that's our first one. Second one. Tarasenko, Barbashev, and a first-rounder next year. I would do that in a heartbeat. I like that one better. Okay, so that's our favorite right now. Tarasenko, Barbashev, and a 2023 first-rounder. Here is door number three, Okay, Michelle. Okay. The Flames get Kairou, Jake Neighbors, Marco Scandella, and a 2023 first-round pick. Okay. The inclusion of the Scandella money is appealing. Give, Give me number two again. 
Number two, I actually like this one better. That I, one's I Tarasenko think... Barbashev in a first rounder next year. Okay, I like that one too. Unload the Tarasenko money. Okay, so Tarasenko Barbashev and a 2023 first rounder are our favorite right now. Although I am reluctant to give up the production you got from Vladdy last season. Yeah, but you replace that with Kachuk, who had 42 goals. I know, I know. And you're, I know that that Tarasenko proved that he was healthy, but I still have a little bit of apprehension. I always wonder with somebody who's been injured that many times mm-hmm. if the health will remain. Okay, so here is a three-way deal. Proposal number four, the Blues would get Kachuk and Anthony Beauvillier. The Islanders would get Vladimir Tarasenko. And the Flames would get Jordan Cairo, Perunovic, and the Islanders' first-rounder next year. So the Blues would essentially be giving up Cairo and Perunovic and Tarasenko to get Kachuk and Bouvillier. I think I'm still going with door number two, Randy. If you can acquire Matthew Kachuk and not have to give up Jordan Cairo, that's the door I'm going to walk through. I'm with you there. Because and it's Vladdy, so, Barbie, and a first-round pick? Yeah. Give me door yeah. number two all day. So here is proposal number five, then. The Blues would get Kachuk. The Flames would get Vladdy, Bull Duke, and Costin. Mm. And then in a separate trade, the Coyotes would get the Blues' third-round pick next year to take Scandella's contract. Something the Blues don't ordinarily do is pay somebody with a draft choice to take money off of their hands. But that's the situation that they're in right now. It's that they need to clear space in Mm -hmm. order to make this happen. And if that is the means to an end... Even though it's not normally in their DNA, I could see them making ex- an exception for a talent like mm-hmm. Matthew Kachuk. Um, I, I still, even though unloading the Scandella money would be great, you said Bolduc was in there. I know how high they yeah. are on him, and mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily want to give him up because I think he could be a great addition to what the Blues will look like in the future with Matthew Kachuk. So I think I'm still going number two. I am with you 100% there, Michelle, and here's my reasoning. Doug Armstrong always talks about a puzzle, correct? Yes. Well, that puzzle would include the fact that Jordan Cairo is going to command big money next year. He's probably going to command, if he has a year like last year, Robert Thomas-type money. You need to have young players like Bull Duke and Neighbors around if you're going to have guys like Thomas and Kachuk at the top of your roster. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe the Blues are in a position to trade a guy like Bull Duke, keep Cairo around, because Cairo doesn't have much control time left. You're either going to have to move. At some point, you're going to have to get rid of, if you have Kachuk on your roster and Thomas on your roster, Cairo can't be on your roster. It's just not going to work financially. Because you've got Shen, you've, you've got... Uh, the the contract that you have given to Buchnevich, there's no way that you can give $8 million a year to Cairo in addition to those other guys. Matthew? There's a zero. I mean, there's no other way it works out. That if, 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 Kachuk is a, if Kachuk is a blue, Jordan Cairo is either a flame or some other team by some weird convention of a third round a third team and a three team after team. next there's, year there's no way that jordan cairo isn't part no i'm just saying if he's if, he, if there's a kachuk trade to the blues jordan cairo is a hundred percent going to be a part of it there's no way that the flames get out of this without getting jordan cairo to, 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 to jumpstart their rebuild what if though you go to daryl sutter who won with a big heavy tough team in la and loves big heavy tough teams and you say okay daryl sutter Give you the choice of Jordan Cairo or Ivan Barbashev. Who's Sutter going to take? Barbie. I think so. Even and by he he's not the general manager, but if Trevlin goes to him and says, "Okay, you want to build the team your way, who do you want?" So I obviously love Barbie, and I 
love the physicality and he would be a great fit for that specific coach. But I think organizationally, it would be a failure if you don't take it Jordan would. Cairo. <laughs> it would. But Jordan Cairo, I'm telling you right now, Daryl Sutter would hate having Jordan Cairo on his team. He just doesn't fit. And Jordan Cairo is great. I love having Jordan Cairo on my team. Team Ruby likes having him on his team. But Daryl Sutter's a different animal. He's like Brian. And they, lighter guys that don't play great defense right away. I mean, think of those Kings teams. Was there a Jordan Cairo on those Kings teams? No. They, everybody that scored on those, it, it was Kopitar, it was Carter, it was Dustin Brown. They were monsters. And they forechecked and they hit. Jordan Cairo just hadn't been, I don't know if Jordan Cairo is capable of being that player. So put yourself in Doug Armstrong's shoes, okay? Imagine mm-hmm. this for a second. You're making all these calls. You're the wizard. You're wheeling and dealing. You're trying to get the best possible deal for Matthew Kachuk. Is there anyone or anything that is off limits for you? Is there something that you would say, that's a non-starter, don't even, I'm not even going to go there. From the Blues perspective? From the Blues perspective. Yes. I am not moving O'Reilly. I am not moving Thomas. I'm not moving Butchnevich. I think, I said this during the season last year, I think next year at some point in the season, Pavel Butchnevich could be the best Blues player. I think he's the most talented guy. So I, I would not move him. I wouldn't move Shen because I think he's the heartbeat of the team. Especially after David Perron's gone. Yep, I'm not moving Justin Falk. So, yeah, there's. I'm not moving Biddington. There's a pretty su- substantial group of people that are off limits here. What about you? Yeah, a lot of those guys I wouldn't move either, but I wouldn't even really consider them in the conversation, you know. But I mean more more from a prospect standpoint. Is there anybody that's off limits or a young player standpoint? No. Like a, like Jordan no. Cairo is not off limits for you. A Bull He's Duke not. or a Neighbors are not off limits for you. No. Same, on the same way. A 24-year-old, one-of-a-kind guy that had 104 points last year and is – we heard Oscar Sundquist – you don't want to play against this guy. He's miserable to play against. He's the quintessential St. Louis Blue. From day one in 1967 to the time they won the Stanley Cup in 2022, Matthew Kachuk embodies what St. Louis Blues hockey is. We got to get it trending. Bring him home. Bring him home. Bring him home. Bring him home. It's a numbers game. I mean, we talk about the prospects. It's a numbers game. Guys like, I think Perunovic makes perfect sense because you heard JR say it on, on this show, I think it was three three or four weeks ago, they don't think he's ready to step into the same role that he had even during the playoffs. That was an emergency thing. Mm-hmm. That they don't think he's ready to step into that role in the regular season. So if he's still that highly touted around the NHL, you move him now when you have the defensive depth because two years from now, you're not going to have the forward depth you need when Zach, when, when guys like Bolduc and Neighbors have to be on right. this roster because of the control. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I love Jordan Cairo, but if you're getting Matthew Kachuk, that's your centerpiece of the deal because you can mm-hmm. sign him to the eight-year extension now as the team that drafted him, ship him off to a team like the Flames that needs him for cost control. And again, that's a team that... They're they're going into a rebuild. Scoring goals is the only thing they're going to care about to keep people in the building. And Jordan Cairo can do that. And again, my question would be: And hey, Daryl Sutter has retired once, but does Daryl Sutter want a 180 pound defenseman? Because that's just it's not who that's not in his DNA. When you look right now, I guess they do have a 183 pound defenseman. Every Foley's single is the closest comparison, by the way, when it comes to who's that? A guy a guy on the Kings. That was that was kind of smaller in a goal score. Toffoli's like the only close comparison, but he's two yeah. inches taller and ten pounds bigger than Jordan Cairo. Exactly right. You look at that Calgary defense now. Just when we throw out the names Krug or Perunovic, uh, Anderson's two fourteen. 
Hannafin's 215. Stone is 210. Uh, Tanev is 197. Uh, Valimaki is 212. Zadorov is 235. Daryl Sutter likes him some monsters. And I think it's going to be very difficult to sell him if you're traveling on getting smaller players. That's, I don't know that to be the fact, but my judging from his history, I would suggest that that's probably a pretty strong sus- suspicion that's true on my part. Next up on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It's time now for... Randy, the reigning Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, they unveiled their Super Bowl championship rings last night in a private ceremony. And let me tell you, these things are blinged out. Mm-hmm. It's the most carrot weight in the history of a sports championship ring. I'm not surprised. Are you? A little, because Stan's cheap. Yeah, but he gets one. Yeah, but I just... Thought he'd be a little more modest, but you know what didn't surprise me? He's the, not modest. The design, the design. I just thought it would be more modest from a cost <laughs> standpoint, not that he's <laughs> modest. So the top of the ring, it features the Rams logo. It's made up of blue and yellow sapphires, the Lombardi trophy, and then there's two palm trees behind it. And then the top of the ring, it actually is removable. And when you remove it, it's a view of SoFi Stadium surrounded by a piece of the Super Bowl game ball. Underneath the field, the roof is made up of remnants, actually of the turf at SoFi Stadium from the past two seasons. Each ring has 20 carats of white diamonds. It's set on white and yellow gold. It's all to represent the official opening of SoFi Stadium in 2020. So it does not surprise me that the ring is a nod to Stan's biggest achievement, which is not the Super Bowl, but the stadium. Not surprising at all. And I wonder if anybody will lose the cap to the stadium when you take the roof off. It it just looks like something that could go wrong. Is you could lose the the top of the ring, i.e., the top of the stadium. Yeah, you it, want to be careful with that. Yeah, don't be messing with that when you've had a few cocktails. No, that's a that's a big ring, though. I Ooh. will say it is a stunner. Yeah, it, it is totally blinged out, no doubt about it. So good for them. You seem thrilled. Yeah, I mean, well, ostentatious is not something that we would associate with the Los Angeles Rams either. Like with their $6 billion stadium or uh, the fact that uh, they, they have more high-priced players than anybody else in the league. They, they say blank them picks. They do. They yeah, do say that. They, they aren't. Uh, they don't go overboard. Yeah. But as somebody who offered Sam's gift cards as a gift mm-hmm. to his employees and then took them back mm-hmm. after employees didn't point. use enough of the Sam's gift card, yeah. which is ultimately ultimately them paying him back. Yeah. I, again, I just I'm not surprised that it's a nod to the stadium. I am just surprised that he would want to shell out that much dough. That's all. Yeah, it's kind of a surprise. But I th- I think the league pays for a good portion of Super Bowl rings. But still, whatever he has to cover, I he we know he doesn't like to give up money. I, I would guess, by the way, if somebody has to get a replica or if they have a replica Lombardi trophy, which, by the way, Georgia covered the entire cost of when the Rams won the Super Bowl here, my guess is that the individuals will have to pay for that. Mm. 
You're killing me, Smalls. In other NFL news, Kyler Murray has secured the bag. He has agreed to a five-year extension with the Arizona Cardinals worth $230.5 million. He's now one of the NFL's highest-paid quarterbacks, and the deal runs through 2028. I can't decide whether I like this or not. Because last year, after two, th- after three-fourths of the season, the Cardinals were the best team in the league. And then DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, and they went downhill. And I have not yet figured out whether or not Kyler Murray is a product of Ty- uh, DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. or not. They need a, a good offensive line. I think that they need better structure in that offense for Kyler Murray. But I do believe he's talented enough to be a really, really good quarterback. That being said, I think this is a, a gamble for the Cardinals because he could prove this year that he's not the guy. But when he has the physical skill set that he does have, I think that if you look around at the market and what quarterbacks have succeeded and and the ones you'd want to pay or want to take a gamble on, Kyler's in that conversation. Absolutely, yeah. And if you take a quarterback with the first pick in the draft, you got to pay him. You have no choice. You have to give him the contract. And even though he's only been to the playoffs once, you have to pay him if you're the Cardinals. And by the way, they seem to be all in on him. They seem to be more in on him than most people on the outside are. Remember uh, a couple months ago when he scrubbed his Instagram of all yeah. traces Arizona Cardinals yeah. and there was a lot of drama there? It paid off for him, too. Playing hardball paid off for Kyler. So, internet tough guy wins. Oh, I hate that headline. But it is, that's the fact, isn't it? Well, remember he said, this is just people my age. This is just what yeah, we what do. Yeah, what we do. We like to How clean. we negotiate. Yeah, we just like to clean up the grid from time to time. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, we started with jewelry. We're going to end with jewelry. It's the end of an era. Mario Cristobal, he's getting rid of Miami's turnover chain. No. Why, you might ask? That's a terrible decision. He says it's, quote, not a part of their culture. Hmm. I thought that that fit the U perfectly. Yeah, excuse me, sir. You know the you, you've been there, you played there. What do you mean it doesn't fit the culture? It is the culture. Right. So, and Paul Feinbaum wound up with it somehow. Did you see that Feinbaum was wearing it on his show? Uh, was that the real one? It was a there's, one. There's replicas everywhere. Oh, are there? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he had one. Okay. When I was up at the network, Jonathan Vilma brought in a replica one and we wore it on the show. Okay. Um. So I don't know if it's. That was probably the a replica chain. then. Yeah, I would imagine it goes into some sort of Hall of Fame or some, you know, some. You have it at, uh, on the grounds at the facility or I something. Would, I imagine when they started doing it, they were like, "Well, Jonathan Vilma had like f- fifteen of these when he was like here, just send him one." That's awesome that he had one. I love that. But that's what Miami yeah. Hurricanes football is. It is. It's yep. it's swag. It's ostentatious, as you as you brought up with the Rams. This is exactly what the U culture is. Mario Cristobal, come on. Yeah, the players love that. That's one of the reasons players go to Miami, is so that they can do those sorts of things. Totally. And every, how many other schools tried to do something like that? Remember, what mm-hmm. was it, the the backpack and the different chains? You know, yeah. We have the Angels now with the Cowboy hat. Everybody was trying to do something that was an extension of the turnover chain. Right. So that's the way it should be. No doubt about it. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle, folks can still go to eBay and bid on the Ozzy Smith driver that he used from last year, the Hall of Famer. 
uh, turn that driver in for a new Callaway driver this year. And if you'd like an autographed Ozzy Smith driver with a certificate of authenticity, then you all you need to do is go search Ozzy Smith driver on eBay, and you can make a bid on it this weekend. And who wouldn't want that? It's a pretty cool thing. Pretty if you if you own a restaurant or if you have a, a cool space in your man cave and you'd like or your your she shed, and <laughs> and you would like to have an Ozzy Smith driver, then uh, that'd be a great thing to have. Do you have a man cave? I know you have a, a yeah, basement. Kind of setup. A, yeah, it's not really a man cave, no. But I do spend a lot of time down there. So. And it's your decorating, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. One it's all we've stuff. we've got so we've got separate rooms. We've got a, a blues room and a Cardinals room. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. So that's where we go. Hang out. Watch games. We'll be watching the Cardinals tonight. Adam Wainwright pitching the opener of the second half of the season at Cincinnati, six o'clock. And of course, you can see that game on uh, Bally Sports. And Michelle, this is another one of those situations where the Cardinals took two against the Reds last week before they were rained out on Sunday. And there are three teams the Cardinals have to dominate, in my opinion, to make the playoffs. And I'm not saying that this will get them to the World Series, but to be a postseason team, dominate the Reds, dominate the Pirates, dominate the Cubs, and then take your chances. Absolutely. And you open with the Reds. And um, then, Randy, you it's a long road trip to start out the second half. You you have three at the Reds, two in Toronto. Hopefully everybody makes that trip. And, uh, you know, we forget that there's... Uh, still stuff going on with COVID and vaccinations, right? So that mm-hmm. we'll have to see about that. Then you have three at Washington before you, you come back home versus the Cubs, and then the Yankees come to town. Matt Carpenter, Matty Mustache coming back to town, which will be fun. That'll but, be great. But handle your business right out of the gate. Set the tone for the second half. Yeah, and next week will be interesting because you get a chance to see, again, Toronto and that's one of the best teams, obviously, in the American League. Mm-hmm. And I'll be interested to see how the Cardinals match up, especially to- headed towards the trade deadline. They're another team that's interested in uh, Luis Castillo. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see how the Cardinals match up against the the Blue Jays. I'm so excited for the second half because every game is going to matter. You're going to have uh, Paul Goldschmidt continuing his MVP stretch. You've got Albert Pujols in the quest for 700. Yachty's coming back. You're getting uh, healthy again. It's It's going to be really fun. Yeah, I think they're going to be interesting. What's uh, Matthew Rocchio got go- going on for his birthday weekend? Uh, like I said earlier, I'm going to see John Mulaney uh, tonight. Uh, big thanks Where's to my, he? Is he at? Uh, yeah, Stiefel, I think. Stiefel. Oh, Stiefel? Sorry. Uh-huh. I always screwed up when I say that. Uh, he's at, at Stiefel. Big thanks to my brother for getting me those tickets. Uh, and then I think I'm actually going to go camping on Saturday. Uh, for a little bit of a float trip because uh, mm. just just kind of just kind of lounge lounge back in a kayak for a little bit for a couple hours and take in a ridiculous sun, just a ridiculous sun. I don't know why I said yes to this. I did not check the weather before I said yes. So on Saturday, um, yeah. I think it's like going to be 104. It's going to be like 104. So hydrate. Not a, not a bad day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hydration is going to be key. Beer. Not, not with, with beer. beer. No, actually water. Yeah. It's going to. I'm going to be. It's going to be Aquafina in the right hand and and probably probably Bush in the, in, in the left hand just to kind of you know playing for the high in a different kind of sense. So that's what I'm doing on Saturday for my birthday. Yeah, I'm tomorrow, enjoy it. 104 degrees for the high. No. You know what, maybe... That's going to be a no for me, dog. Maybe we all just hang out in, in an air-conditioned room instead of going on the on the river. Maybe I'll... Maybe I'll, I'll suggest a change to the plan. Okay. Take it or leave it. By the time we reconvene on Monday morning, Matthew Kachuk has been traded. Ooh. I'm taking it. Bring him home. Bring him home. The... Arbitration hearing can take place anytime between next the 27th, so that would be next Wednesday. I thought his was on the 11th, right? Have they rescheduled it? Have they officially scheduled it? Stand by. Research is on it, but I thought I saw that. Okay. Yeah, there was another tweet from JR. 
Okay. So then, yeah, he'll be traded by the 11th because they aren't going to keep him around. There's too many obstacles in the way if you don't trade him by the 11th. And that gives the Blues a little bit more time. The 11th is better than the 27th because the Blues have to figure out what they are going to do to open up cap space. Yep. Uh, August 11th, the last day of arbitration. Gives the Flames the most time to work out a trade. All right. That'll be fun. Looking forward to that. So you think, you know what I would hope? if I could have my hope of hopes, okay. is that this happens on Sunday afternoon, which gives us enough time to get some great guests on, maybe secure Matthew, maybe secure Army, and uh, then we get to be the first ones to talk about it on Monday morning. Kick the week the week off with Matthew Kachuk as a blue. A Cardinals sweep and Matthew Kachuk as a blue. How much do you miss, here as we start NFL training camps, going out to training camp? That's one of the things I miss is the hope and the optimism of training camp, knowing that the team would suck pretty much. <laughs> but you do start that first day of camp and you say, oh, there's a guy that might make the team. That's a guy that might help us down the road. Uh, it was so fun to drool over the first round draft pick mm-hmm. and think maybe he's the piece that's going to turn this thing around. He usually wasn't, but it was fun mm-hmm. for that little sliver of time to, to think that it could happen. Yeah, he always wasn't, Michelle. Unless you go back to... Chris Long. He, he- didn't really turn things around. But he was good. He was really good. We loved him. Uh, was Aaron Donald in the first round? He was the second was. pick in the first round, yeah, right? He was so, the 13th pick I mean, overall. we didn't get much of him, but difference maker. A little bit, yeah. A little difference maker there. Yep. And then Greg Robinson was always entertaining. Oh, man. Randy. He was a friendly guy. You know what I don't miss, though, is when we would do those shows at training camp, sitting in the blazing sun out at Earth City and just looking and staring at the dump. God, yeah. I love training camp. It was so hot and ridiculous and there would always be something stupid but it was a blast i loved it so yeah. much Just i think it might be the only getting to watch yeah. drills it, it might be if you have a bad team it might be the only really fun part of a season now for example if the you draft. are go ahead the draft well the, yeah that, that, that's a good point but if you're a team that is kind of tanking right now and your fans know that your team is going to be bad let's let's Pick out a team. The Jaguars. Well, no, they, they might improve. Houston. Houston's going to be bad. All right? We know that. So training camp is fun. But after that, it's going to be pretty miserable if you're a Houston Texans fan. It's fun right before the first game because it's still all speculation. It's hope that X player is going to be fun or hope that you you might have a better season than you had last year, but usually after halftime of game mm-hmm. one, you're like, oh yeah, we suck again. Okay, hard question here. Okay, okay, last year's last place teams, which fan base should be most excited about this year? We've got the Jets, Ravens, Jags, Broncos, Giants, Lions. I think that's a sneaky one. Yeah, Panthers and Seahawks. By kneecaps in Detroit. Uh, my first thought was the Broncos because you have Russell Wilson on your team now, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a difference maker. I wonder how excited Jets fans are. You know, Zach Wilson having relations with his mom's friend. Mm-hmm. He's becoming a headline grabber in New York. Um, but I think if I if I had to put my money on one, it'd be the Broncos. My problem with the Broncos, and I, I would be very excited if I were a Broncos fan, but you still have Kansas City and the Raiders and the Chargers in that division. But it's going to be a fun season. Having Russell Wilson will yeah. make it fun. I would have to think, though, it's got to be the Ravens. If the Ravens are healthy, they're a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, of course. But you know, having lived through what we lived through, I go back to the Lions. 
because that's how bad we were. And now the Lions have a coach in his second year, and all the players love him, and they've upgraded their talent level. Okay, they still got Jared Goff at quarterback. Yeah. But He's serviceable. I, I, w- I bet you they're pretty excited in Detroit right now. I wonder, it would be fun to listen to sports talk radio there. I wonder if they're all in on the Dan Campbell theatrics. Well, I don't even know if it's necessarily necessarily theatrics. I think he is that much of a football guy. But I, w- I wonder if they're all in on it, how long that lasts. Because at some point, it's going to be grating to listen to a guy spew that much football jargon on you and talk about biting kneecaps yeah. and slamming it's, it gets 24 old. espressos. If, yeah, if, if you're not winning... That does get old, no it doubt. It gets about old it. quick. Yeah. So I wonder what the le- what the leash is for Dan Campbell if they're in on him in Detroit. That is this edition of Character and Smallman, Matthew Rocchio. Great job, pleasure, Michelle. This was a fun week. It was, and happy birthday again to Matt. Enjoy your weekend. Absolutely, thank you guys so much. And uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow, till Monday morning at seven. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.